Welcome to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast, episode 40. Big four zero. Yeah, we just turned 40, boys. Over the hill. Oh, shit. It's all downhill from here. It's been downhill for a while. Got Ryan Collin, your host. Bob Collin. Yo, yo, yo. What is up for certain? Joining from a bunker in an undisclosed location, Captain JG. He's allowed to to talk. He's being held captive from his uh, fiance, I think. <laughs> Welcome back, Captain. Who else? Jimby Dolmans. And you got Danielson. Danielson. Danielson and Jimby are sharing a the mic. They're going to get real tight this episode. Hey, hey. We're real close. I'm sitting on his lap. We got his bug and a rug. Yeah, we got four out of five in in house. That's. Yeah. It's like a record. If only Jason could ever join us. What would you like for Christmas, yeah, Jimmy? If only. <laughs> if only. You got to get your ass down here every now and then, man. These two are sitting in each other's lap over here. Do you two need to be separated? They're burying the hatchet. Yeah, right. That's what the kids yeah, call they're, it nowadays. They're, that's what happens. That's what happens gone. on the podcast. Yeah, is that if you argue on the podcast, you have to share a mic. You have to sit next to each other and share a mic, and you will learn to love each other. I've literally sat on everybody's lap. So now. I think I know what we should do. <laughs> did you watch the latest episode of Yellowstone? I did. Yeah. So I think those who should uh, just do go what, out in the yard and, and what, just what Beth beat and the living what hell Beth out and that other chick do. They went yeah. out in the yard. And they were like fighting, and then Rip comes out, and he's like, "Just stand up and and fucking take them." Yeah, just punch each other. Literally, in the face. they just started punching each other so somebody just didn't get up. Like, Stop rolling around on the ground; it's embarrassing. Yep, right? just stand there and, and just and trade them. Take blow for blow. Spoiler alert! All right, so uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, let's catch up real quick. Meat and taters. Bob, what's new with you? Oh, you know. Just being, oh yeah, went hunting last weekend. That was a, that's a whole other story, and I'm not even going to bore you with all the details, other than the fact that a, that a, a goddamn tractor decided it wanted to till up the field. At as soon as I get in the stand, I was in the stand for five minutes, and all of a sudden a transformer comes rolling down the field. That's what it sounded like. It echoed through the woods. Ryan could hear it in his stand, and he was like, "I was like, what in the hell is this?" And then all of a sudden I see it, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me, dude." I did see deer, um, and I could have got a shot on the, the larger doe of the group, but it was like by the time it all kind of happened, the transformer came back, and once it got close enough, the deer took off, and it was it. So it was like, eh, that was so yeah, that was my weekend. Yeah, a load of shit. I think, Just, the, best, I think the best part of that story, so we hunted together. Um, in the same stand. Well, together. no, we, we were we were both we were both hunting. Uh, <laughs> they were arguing Sunday night, and uh, so Bob come, comes up to me. He's like, "Where are you hunting tonight?" He's like, "You gonna let me hunt in the woods?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's fine. Like, I'll go sit in the other spot. Like, I don't care." And I get in the tree stand, and I hear that that fucking tractor, and I'm just like kind of laughing. I'm like, "He asked for this. <laughs> he asked to sit in that spot." Oh, so mad. <laughs> oh, so mad because it was like. You know, it started its line because the, the it runs parallel. The the field runs parallel to the the way I'm facing in the stand. So it started that line parallel to me, and I'm like, so it started at like two thirty, three o'clock, whatever time we got in the stand, and then it was like every single time it came by, it was about fifteen feet farther, fifteen feet farther, you know, and just kept on shifting down. I'm like, all right, by the by the time prime time comes. This dude might be on the other side of the field. It probably won't affect my hunting. Well, that was the case. That's exactly what happened. And then he decided to do one more pass right in prime time. Yeah. I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, and, 
but at the same time, I was like, you know, farmers got to make a living too. Yeah. So I'm like, was, I, I, I felt. So our point of like deer being domesticated down here is like never been so true with those deer because they walked right past me and they walked directly towards Bob and directly to the noise that this tractor was making. And it sounded like, like a transformer was like going through the woods. Like it was loud as shit. And they're just walking right towards it. And at one point, <clears throat> the third doe was right in front of me. And a gunshot went off. The people on the property right behind us shot. And it was, sounded close. I actually thought it was might have been Bob at one point. And the deer didn't flinch, didn't look, didn't wasn't even phased by it in the slightest. And just kept walking towards this loud-ass noise that's on the other side of the woods. And I'm then, like, these deer, <clears throat> compared to deer up north oh, yeah. that are so finicky and, like, they just, every little sound, every twig that breaks, these deer don't give a shit. If, if that same thing happened up in Ottawa, like, those deer, there wouldn't have been a deer within a square mile of that place. Yeah. But, and they weren't. They weren't skittish when they came in, but when it got close, it was only 40, maybe 40 yards away. It was right in the corner of that field. It was like... Once it got to that point, they flagged and they took off. And it was like, I was hoping that they wouldn't mind and he would just do his pass and he'd take off and then they would keep on walking and I'd get a shot on that big doe. And it didn't work out. It's kind of the story of my hunting season, though. Like, it is 100% been a hashtag shit show. So, yep. Hey, at least you got out, though. Bunch of missed opportunities. But I, I've seen a lot of deer. I just haven't seen anything I really want to shoot. I did that one. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because I asked you, because you, they, they came by you. And I was like, did that big one look like it was big enough? Because to me, it just didn't. Uh, like, com- I mean, when I, com- com- when I looked at them, her, I thought she was big enough. Compared to the yearlings, because one of them was a button buck. I the yearling sure. was like a sh- uh, some shit that Jimmy would have shot. Ah. It, it, it was a the button buck, like, <laughs> compared to the... the I, to. I was comparing the doe to the button buck. <laughs> and it... The doe was not that much bigger. So she was probably like a year-and-a-half-year-old doe. It was probably yeah. like, you know. It's probably the same doe that I've watched all bow season, and now she's got some meat on her bones, and she looks a little bit bigger. She probably got bred like she was a first-year doe that got bred. Right. And it was like, and and she had yearlings with her, so I was like, eh, it was yeah. easier to pass. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was not heartbroken over the fact of not getting a shot on it, but at the same time, the only you know, it was just... The only reason I would have wanted to shoot her is so I could have gutted her out to get some warmth, get that, get in that that gut job. Oh yeah, dude, it was cold, man. It was like that's the coldest I've been in a hot minute. That, that wind. wind just cut through you. Yeah, that wind was brutal this weekend. So brutal noodle. Um, <clears throat> so I might as well tell my terrible story while we're talking about that. What's your terrible story? So uh, when we left deer camp, um, that last day was oh, a yeah. fucking snow fest right it was nasty rainy well, it wasn't rainy it was just fucking snowy and everything was fucking soaked and um i neglected to um take care of my firearm after putting it in the case <laughs> soaking wet oh no totally forgot about it um yeah and i i thought about it like as i'm driving over my I, i've actually thought about it a few times but i'm always like at work and then I get home at like seven o'clock at night, and it's the last thing on my mind is pulling my gun out and cleaning it and oiling it. So we're over there Sunday, and it's like I don't know we're watching a Lions game, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna grab my gun just before we get ready to go out and make sure. And I open up the case, and it's a fucking bucket of rust. Oh, no. Yeah, there's quite a bit of there's like the, quite a bit the of the foam. It's a hard case with the foam inside. The foam was still wet. There's a lot. There's condensation all over the gun, all over the scope, it all was over bad. everything. It was it like, was oh man, shape. 
But what's fucked up is I told Bob, I was like, well, your gun probably looks the same way because he hadn't touched his either. Mm-mm. And he texted me that night and he's like, yeah, my gun's bone dry. Bone dry, man. I came home and that was the first thing I did was I cracked that. I didn't have my hunting gear off and I well, cracked that case open and pulled it out and it's spotless. I was like, I don't know what happened here, but because yeah. neither one of us, because we were kind of, we hunted that last night and then came back, cased the guns and that was really it. We didn't touch yeah. them again. And it's my 270, so I'm not using it down here. And, you know, so like when I would, I think I, I could have went all year and not looked at that gun again. You know what I'm saying? Until oh, I had to shoot it in the bad. fall. It could have been really bad. Yeah, it's a good thing you looked at that gun yeah. because that could have that could have gotten out of really out of control. Really, I mean, I still damage. need to I still need to clean clean it up. Like the barrel inside the barrel is fine. It was just the outside was wet. But yeah. I mean, we oiled it down and cleaned it up a little bit. But I need to put a little elbow grease to get some of that rust out. The, the hard it's, part about that one is the compensator on it. It's got a ton of rust in those little little yeah. tiny. You know, I mean, it's at least got like a coat of oil. It shouldn't rust anymore, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to get into it this week. There's a yeah. place by us that can fix it up, too. I don't think it's that bad to where I can't just get it out myself. No, just CLP, any kind of, like, yeah. cleaning, lubricating, protecting yeah. type oil and elbow grease. That's Kicked it. myself in the ass, though. I was like, man, um, is that not the best terrible outdoorsman story ever? Yeah. Just fucking don't, just, don't dry your gun off. Just don't use any kind of steel wool on the outside of the barrel. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna steal wool the fuck out of it. Uh, well, on the uh, on the bolt, the barrel. You, you had some rust on the on the bolt and stuff like that. I would do it on the bolt, but not on the barrel. That blue. I'm gonna get it dipped hard to in red, white, and blue. Candle. You could do that too. You just dip right over that rust. Go. It'll be good. So yeah, that um, that's all I got since our last episode. Yeah. Captain JG, you've been gone for a couple weeks. Yeah, I was down down uh, in Ohio. For Thanksgiving, I watched Michigan smoke their ass <laughs> yeet, yeet. while while I was down there. Um, Nikki's family isn't you know diehard Ohio State fans. They're just they watch a little bit of football, but it wasn't like they were heartbroken over how things were going. But I know that the majority of the state was heartbroken how things were going. So too bad, too bad, so sad, too um, bad, Buckeyes. One thing. Uh, a couple of things when you brought up the terrible outdoorsman story that you were a part of, a couple of things I thought of were um, I had talked to my uncle and on opening day, him and a friend opening day of gun season, him and a friend were hunting at his house and both of them on separate bucks had the infamous pull the trigger and it goes click with the same firearm that it happened with you. Oh, man. Yeah. Same so they both, same model and everything? Same everything. They get back oh, to his man. house and they go that you know they say to each other, right? Like you're never going to believe the story I have. And they had the same story. Yep. It was like it was it was like Escanab in the moonlight. Stuff, yeah, that's right? like a bear walk type shit. Like yep. that shouldn't happen ever. And, and that's, then that's the three other, guns, same brand, three guns. Yeah. And we're not going to name story the story that but, uh nope. The story that I forgot to tell was when I was out in New York on that hunt, um, one of the evenings I was, I climbed up the stand and I was pulling my bow up and the, the pull string to pull up my bow broke and my bow did a eight foot free fall and bounced off of a rock. <laughs> yeah. You were telling us that story. That's, yeah. that's crazy. So I, 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 always, I, dude, I, 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 I always carry my, 
my gun up or carry my bow up. Mm-hmm. I just do. I just strap it on my back and I carry it up because I have a weird yeah. fear of that happening. I could be using like thousand pound paracord and like I'm gonna I'm I swear to God it's gonna break on this seven pound bow or ten pound gun yeah. that I'm lowering down for whatever reason it's gonna break. And that's why, because it happens. Yeah. Yeah. So So it it fell. Like I'm pulling it up and I just feel it felt like when you're bass fishing and a pike hits your bait and you and, and you aren't using braid and it's just like Dink. Dink gone like so i'm pulling it and all of a sudden all of a sudden it just goes tink and i look down and i can see my bow it was about halfway up i see my bow just free fall eight feet and then bounce off of a rock and i go oh that's great so i climb down um i did i did take i carry one arrow with a field point and i shot it at a leaf and it still appeared to be accurate so i was that's a good bow still in in killing mode but it probably, it probably uh, is, it, like you said, Bob. Like, oh, um, shout out to it being a good bow. Two years ago, let's see, yeah, two years ago when I had a mishap and utilized the dog services, and unfortunately wasn't able to harvest that buck that I shot. I was going through the rose bushes and ash trees and that whole mess on the property um, up where we hunt in the thumb, and. It was so thick, and I was so mad about what I had to go through. I was literally tossing my bow in front of me and crawling on my hands and knees. <laughs> that, that uh, When I was crawling through there, I ended up – it was in the dark. And when I got to the other side with the dog tracker, I had lost my knit hat, my gloves, and my quiver with my spare arrows. You're a fucking mess, man. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else going on? So you've been gone for a couple of not, weeks, man. Not, the the, yeah, li- not the listeners much. are even asking for you. <laughs> not much <laughs> going on. Kind of been winding down, got the deer um, on the 17th, and haven't been back out in the woods since, and likely won't end up back out in the woods. So uh, my chances of an eight-point with my bow on public land are pretty much gone. Well, hopefully you listen to uh, the last couple episodes. Because then you'll realize uh, what you have to do to get out of that bold prediction. All right. I'll have to catch up on that. <laughs> There's some listeners that think that we should not uh, be able to get out of it. And that we should that's, way, that's honestly the way I feel. But everybody's been asking for that option. So if you want to get out of your, your challenge, Jason, you can donate $100 to the MUCC per challenge. Per, um, Only a hundred dollars sounds like I'm donating. Per per bull prediction, you know what? So if you if you are missing two bull predictions, then that would be a two hundred dollar donation. Or you just do the chip challenge, or you do the polar dip. Either I'm going to donate seven dollars to the stupid ass chip, or a couple hundred thousand dollars in a hospital bill. <laughs> so I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna do it. I'm going to do it. I was Send thinking it. about it. Send yeah. it. Yeah. So to that, you, to you that listener, he kind of like rekindled at me and I was like, yeah, I can't be a bitch about this, man. I just got to do it. Remember so, that, Jimmy. I'm not saying that, like, that. I'm not saying that you got that you're, that you're going to be a bitch, Jay, but, uh, uh, this is Dan, this is Dan speaking and I am going to be a bitch about it. Um, <laughs> I've already got the check written. You're, so. <laughs> you're doing the sorry chip to, challenge. Sorry to let you all down. 
I have a couple Jeez. chips upstairs, and I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to prep myself for them. Like, I'm just going to take a little nibble off it every day so oh that, I get, that I start to become Build up your to tolerance. It. Yeah, the, the chip's the only one that worries me because I'm like, I, I kind of have a little bit of a, a sensitive yeah. tummy in some ways. But, sensitive tummy. Um, I got a tender tummy. <laughs> I think so. Like, if I were, I think if I were to swallow that whole chip at once, it might gut me. Like, I might oh, have it's some, definitely going to gut you. <laughs> well, I might have some, like, residual issues. It sounds like you need to go catch a muskie. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh, I read a fishing oh, report. Season's not over. I read a fishing report today of a guy that was trolling for walleye um, in Southern Lake St. Clair and off a nine a, mile, seventy-six inch muskie. No, but he said, <laughs> and I quote: "The three muskie that bit us off were annoying today." Dude, I, I'm still seeing like people catching some oh, yeah. hogs, man. Especially the really weather hot. this week. The weather's like 40s every day. Like we should be out there, especially up in like St. Lawrence and like uh, hashtag Let's Go. Casting your uh, what, what's that big? What's that big bay on the other side of uh, Huron? That Georgian some, Bay. Georgian Bay. Georgian. Yeah, holding some yeah. hogs being pulled out of there. Before you know it, it's going to be hard water, and we won't be musky fishing. So Jason we could be. Jason, get your ass down here Sunday. Let's go. Nikki won't mm. care. We might be ice fishing. Bring right, Nikki with you. Right, right. Nikki won't care. I swear. Right, right. <laughs> no. You talk to her. You talk to her. I'll, I'll talk to her. Just yell real loud. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, Jimmy, I know you. You've got a couple stories. Dan, you got anything? And we just talked a couple days ago. Yeah, we just talked. Everything's good here. Same old, same old. He's been we're hanging just... out. We we watched uh, Michigan whoop Purdue's ass. Yep. That just. Was cool. uh, you know, tackling the supply chain crisis day by day. But other than that, same old stuff. Very cool. Jimmy, tell your tell your stories. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know about stories, but I was sitting in the woods last weekend and uh, listening to the podcast and got a good chuckle. Um, that Amber Brown episode was really cool. So... Um, Amber Brown calling you out. I, I, dude, that was awesome. Um, it was awesome that she was cool enough to do a bold prediction. And I'm going to throw this out there. I'm willing to help her meet her bold prediction, and I'm going to announce it right here that I'm going to offer to be her coach. So uh, <laughs> I'll teach her how to shoot, and, and she'll definitely get that challenge done with my assistant. So, Amber, oh, oh, go. we got this. There you go. Oh. Just a bunch of face palms going on over here. Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy's going to teach you how to unjam a 20-gauge. With a pen cap. Yeah, with a pen cap. So yep. you, you, you got this. Oh, man. I, did you guys like that video I sent you? Oh, so funny. Yeah. yeah. She's going to go from shooting a 12 back down to a 20. Or a, maybe even a, like a 28 or a 410. Yeah. Yeah. 22. <laughs> hey, if you can break plays with a twenty-two, like you're doing something, man. Like hey, she no. she talked about the mental game. She's just gonna break the targets with her mind. Oh <laughs> shit! Oh, even better. Uh, even better. She's eleven. What, what was cool is that you guys were talking about how like confidence is key, which is great because I'm you know just with that being said, I'm gonna go out there knowing that I'm literally better than everybody else that's out there. So, <laughs> but but see, there's He's got there's, confidence. I'll, there, I'll give him that. I got, He's got confidence. confidence for days. But there's confidence and skill versus confidence and no skill. I'm gonna so. do it with Jason's single shot ten gauge too, so it's yeah. gonna be nice with a slug. With Ooh. slugs, yeah, yes. precision shooting. The blunderbuss. Yeah. We still need to set up a time to do that cosmic clays. We talk about it almost every episode. I know. Episode. We do, yeah. I got to get so, with Jason. Jason, I, you need to give us a couple dates, either on a Wednesday or a Thursday, that you can come down here 
and we need, be, we need to set it up. That'll be difficult for Jason. When does, when does it, it out? When does it end? That'll be difficult since I burned all my vacation through the month of November. But hey, I'll might I'll try to make it happen. You're a terrible outdoorsman. Make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Be make terrible. It happen, Captain. Get outdoors, don't be terrible. <laughs> That's it. Get outdoors and then oil your gun when you get back. True. <laughs> Damn. Oh shit. Truth. Shots fired. Shots fired. Don't tell me that's never happened to you, Jason. No, no, I was going to lead right into I've done the exact same thing on one of the very few waterfowl trips that I was on. Uh, came back, put the gun in a soft case, put it away. I don't even know how long after that I decided to get it back out, and it looked like a rusty potato chip. <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a rusty potato chip. Is that like a, is I, know, like, I know what he's saying. Like the potato chips got the brown shit on. Is that like is that like some weird new sexual act? A rusty yeah, those are the ones chip. that give the dog <laughs> the rusty potato chip. Have you guys ever heard of the uh, the fall guy harness? You ever heard of those? It's called the fall guy harness. It's like you know, it's like a retractable, like it's almost like a. Like oh yeah, yeah, belt. yeah! I've seen it. And uh, so we were. I I don't know if you guys know this or not about me, but when I was uh, like fresh out of college, I went to Specs Howard, and uh, I was actually working for this hunting and fishing show, and it was it's based out of Stockbridge. It's called the Rush, uh-huh. and um, I went on a hunt with them down in Ohio, and w- they had this platform that you climbed up the tree, but unfortunately, the platform ladder, like the bracket that goes to the the tree was upside down so the bracket was at the bottom so when i climbed up the ladder to step on the platform the whole ladder like gave way into the tree and my ass was hanging from that harness and so that was just you know my terrible outdoorsman experience for the night i guess because i i've been meaning to bring this up and uh, because i know we were talking about those harnesses you know and and whatnot last time or the time before but uh but yeah that was my experience of literally hanging there out of the tree and the guy the guy, because I was the cameraman, the guy that was hunting was just tripping out. And so he literally, like, got the ladder, put it all back up for me, and I never got so in So that's why stand Dan stand. doesn't go in tree that's stands. That's exactly why I don't go in tree stands, yep. <laughs> that's, sure. uh, like, I mean, but a good story to tell because, like, it can happen so fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's why, like, he hunted without a harness for years, and I was like, dude, you, I, I, I bought him. I, but I used to hunt, like, 12-foot tree stands. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It only, t- it only takes five feet I'm, to... I'm, Bust your, I'm, bust your ass. I'm six foot tall. It takes less. It takes less than that. It takes less it's, it's than only that. Like a it, it six takes foot less drop. than that, man. Like, yeah. And I know that being six foot tall, I was standing on the ground and I fell, and it resulted in a broken leg. That's true. I didn't that's know they true. stacked shit that high. Yeah, he was standing. Oh. He was. He was standing on the ground and fell and still broke his leg. So, where you goddamn harness? Yeah. More right. of the story. <clears throat> All right, a little bit of housekeeping before we get rolling housekeeping, here. Housekeeping, housekeeping. So, um, again, the swag is live. So, thanks again to Dan for setting up the website and helping us get the swag set up. So, we had uh, quite a few orders the first week. Um, so, thank you everybody for your orders. Um, everything has pretty much been processed and sent out. So. Um, the one thing I would ask is that when you get these shirts, um, send us some pictures of you either wearing the shirts or with the koozies or the stickers or whatever. Um, be cool for us to, I want to post that stuff on our social media. So please send that stuff. Um, and then the other thing I know a few people would ask, like, you know, how can we support you guys? Um, you know, what are you guys looking for? So, um, Dan and I added a support us tab where you can just make, uh, you know, 
charitable donations to the Terrible Outdoorsman. Um, and I just wanted to kind of explain what our purpose was for that. So really all of that money will go back into the podcast, funding either new equipment or content or different gear for different things we need to keep this podcast going. This, so these expensive ass shows that are coming up, we're trying, we're we, really trying to get yeah, to outdoor Rama and, exactly. um, yeah, we, we, we've, had, place. we've had a few people ask us yeah. about the fishing show, the outdoor Rama, which we want to do, but that stuff's very expensive. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of the, the, the thought process with that. If you want to donate, that's that'd be the best bet so we can help get to some of these shows, help spread the word. I think it'd be a ton of fun to do those. Um, so that's the idea. So any of the money, the proceeds off of the swag and the, any of the donations, that's where it's all going to go to fund things like that to kind of get us out there and, and keep this thing rolling. So. Can you spare a penny for the poll? All of a twist, yeah. Um, but yeah, so very cool. Um, you know, we even got a, uh, order from the land down under, mate. The land down under. Yeah. yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee. So cool. Ordered yep. one of our shirts. Yep. Uh, Evan Stevens was his name. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Evan. I Thanks, you're Evan. You're an avid listener. Um, so we kind of finalized uh, the order with him and we're going to ship it internationally. It's, uh, pretty awesome that this thing has reached, uh, well, I got my, like the finalizing that Spotify does for like how your podcast is done for the year, and it we're in eighteen countries, we've had listens in eighteen countries. So, yeah, so pretty, cool. pretty pretty crazy to think about that. Like we started this forty episodes, Jason, Jason and Bob, like we're the OGs, right? OG. Not that you guys aren't OGs. You've been here a while, but we're the OGs, right? Of course. Never. That's right. In my wildest dreams, would I have thought that we've made it to more than one country um let alone 18 countries more than one state to be exact <laughs> more than our friend base yeah um yeah. but very cool oh. that in uh, i don't know i don't know 18 people <laughs> let alone 18 countries um there's five of them right here yeah well yeah. there's not very many more yeah um but yeah just just to think that 18 countries we've where people are, are listening to our shit why why this dude listens to us from Australia is beyond me, but man, I'm glad he does because that's awesome. I yeah. would I would love to hear some terrible outdoorsman stories from the so land down under. That, we got to get or, him on the or show from, or from another country. Like yeah. you know, if you're out there, I don't, I don't know what you do in Australia. Do you like I don't know? You hunt kangaroos or pigs? Pigs, Tasmanian yeah. So he actually he like, actually sent us a question about um, if we hunt par- feral pigs, um, which none of us do. I mean, they're but they're, they're here in small here, numbers in our state, but like down there, they're like a nuisance, yeah. and they shoot them just so they can feed them to the crocodile farms. I, oh shit, so. man, I got some good stories about pigs down in Georgia, though, yeah. when I was stationed down there. Either way, right, yeah. um, super cool that we've been able to to reach as many people as we've reached, and again, this thing's done way more than more than I thought it did. So, thank you everybody that's listening. I just wanted to get to that. Usually, we do that shit at the end, and I'd rather do it. Um, before everybody tunes out, so <laughs> it's it's a thing. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible what thing. A, so what is the thing? Any you guys have any other comments before we move forward regarding yeah. that? <clears throat> nope, I'm I'm good here. Yeah. No, just just thanks to uh, you know to all of our supporters and the you know and to Evan Down Under. That's what yeah. we're gonna call you, Evan. We're gonna call yeah. you Evan Down Under. And and to everybody that listen, we've got a couple of avid listeners that have either sent in a lot of questions. They've sent in the veteran salutes. They've sent in uh, terrible stories. Um, so yeah, and then that since you had said the terrible stories, um, that's the other thing that Dan and I wanted to do 
I'm kind of, I think, I don't think we ever finished that the other night, but we're going to set up um, under the contact us on the website, send us your terrible stories. So if you have like these, these stupid moments that happen, like, you know, your rusted ass gun <laughs> um, or your boat breaking down or God knows what other story. We know other people have these stories. Um, send us those stories so we can kind of read them on the air and laugh about them with you guys. So I think that'd be cool. Cool segment to do so. All right, so the meat and potatoes of this uh, this episode is we're we're uh, going to be posting this episode on December seventh. Bob, what happened December seventh in military history? December seventh, nineteen forty one, the attack on Pearl Harbor, a day which will live in infamy. Yeah. Yesterday, December seventh, nineteen forty one. A date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense. But always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. Yeah, so December 7th, 1941, um, it was America's introduction to World War II. So prior to that, and I, I would venture to say that you could canvas, you know, 90% of Americans, current Americans, probably don't know the origins of the attack on Pearl Harbor or in, or the origins of the United States involvement in the Second World War. Um, I've studied extensively the second world war just because one it intrigues me too it's kind of part of um you know what i study in my undergrad and um it's uh you know some some really interesting kind of things that people don't really understand which kind of relate to some of our modern things that are going on in the world today so Going back into the early 1930s, and I know that some of you guys are probably rolling your eyes and kind of bored right now, but already, all right, because history might not be everybody's thing, but it is mine. And um, going back into the early 1930s, uh, Japan had kind of launched a an endeavor to become a an, an empire, so to expand its territory and to become a much larger entity than it is. As, as most people know, if you know geography at all, like Japan is a small, relatively small island you know, off the coast of China in between, you know, kind of off the Korean peninsula in, in China. 
And it had launched this endeavor to become a much larger empire by invading China and in some of its neighboring countries. And in doing so, um, over the course of time, from the early 1930s up through the 30s and into early 1940, um, had you know relations between the United States, Great Britain, uh, France, and some of the other Western powers had like degraded significantly between uh, Japan and in those powers, and and it was primarily due to like some of the atrocities that were occurring between Japan and China because J- Japan had invaded Manchuria and different areas in, in eastern China, and as they started as they these atrocities kind of occurred, the 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 United States had to had to denounce it at at the time, and you have to think like. You know, when you think about World War II, you think of a very um, patriotic and a very, you know, like time where the country came together and we were very like war hungry type country at that point. But that was only because of the events of Pearl Harbor and and later on throughout the war. And prior to that, I think it was I think I saw a stat on it, it was like 16 percent of the country um, even um, supported any kind of material support for China to even give China any kind of support towards fighting the Japanese. So the, the Americans were very much against any kind of foreign war. They had just gotten through the great war, which was the world war one. And, you know, the 1920s were kind of a rebuilding from, from, you know, a significant loss from world war one and a rebuilding from of Europe throughout because of what world war one or what happened during world war one. So we had seen war, and did not want war. Go into the night, fast forward into the 1930s. Again, you have veterans and you have people that lived through that great war. They didn't want anything to do with this. They wanted anything to do with Japan, didn't want anything to do with Germany or any of the, the stuff that's happening throughout the world. It was very much an isolationist type nation where wait, this is not our war. It has nothing to do with us. Let's leave it alone. So um, in, in that... What happened was as the, the relations started to degrade, the United States had to denounce these things. And when they started imposing sanctions on Japan and when they it kind of fast forward into like the late 1930s, they enforced a oil embargo on Japan, Great Britain, uh, France, United States, a couple other countries, um, the Netherlands or the Dutch. They they all imposed an oil embargo where they couldn't they would not allow any oil they would not sell any oil to Japan and Japan was on a war footing and you have to have petroleum in order to make war happen. So um, Japan's answer to that was to invade the Dutch East Indies, which are just south of the Philippines, just north of Australia. And because there was, you know, some significant oil reserves there, they're going to go there, they're going to invade them, wage war against them because they figure the the only allies allies at the time of the Dutch were really Great Britain. They would take war on with Great Britain because Great Britain was already at war with Germany. They figured Great Britain would not want to fight a war on two fronts, so they said, you know what, we're going to invade these guys, but the only thing standing in our way is the United States. If we go there, there's a possibility that the United States could be involved in this war, and the only thing kind of really standing in between that was the Philippines. The Philippines at the time was a... Uh, U.S. governed territory, and they knew that if they went to war there, that the Philippines kind of stands in between that. So they knew 
they knew going against going to war against the United States, there's only one way to do it. You have, or in their eyes at the time, was to a, a, a surprise attack where they could, you know, all kind of where they could unleash mass devastation and destruction to whatever they could, and and do it quickly. That was you know kind of Hitler's thing throughout World War II was a lightning war, blitzkrieg, right, or, or a fast take them over. There's nothing they can do about it, and that was kind of the that was kind of the precursor to the Pearl Harbor attack. So going into 19, the early 1940s, 1941, relations between the United States and Japan are almost, or in 1941, November 1941, are almost completely cut off. At this point, they're in negotiations with each other, and they had negotiated to a point where uh, the United States said, Japan, you need to pull out of China completely, and then we'll, we'll give you oil. Well, they knew it wasn't going to happen. It was kind of like a false. I, w- I wouldn't. I, I don't. I, I don't want to go so far as to call it like a false flag type thing, where it was like we're getting, we're giving you impossible demands. Is basically what it was. The United States gave Japan an impossible demand. Japan said nope, and without telling them, went ahead and launched, you know, its its major uh, fleet within the uh, within the Pacific and on heading towards Pearl Harbor. November twenty sixth was the day that fleet left Japan. Right, yeah. So it it it, it uh, ported in a harbor, and kind of waited for the word from the Japanese government. Once they gave them the word that like all relations are pretty much cut off right now, negotiations are done. They went ahead and steamed forward. They actually came from the north, so they they steamed from um, you know kind of just towards what would be directly towards like Washington, Oregon type area, and then came and then swooped south once they hit once they were closer to Hawaii. But um, when they did that, they, um, you know, so I guess I, I watched a thing and the, the sea passage was terrible because in the northern Pacific, it's not like the southern Pacific is warm and tropical and all that. Up in the northern Pacific, it's actually really, really rough. So that, that you know, those, those carriers and things like that heading towards Pearl Harbor had a hell of a time getting there. But once they finally had gotten there... Um, you know, in the days prior to, like the the American intelligence had an idea that something was up. They hadn't heard from these th- these how many carriers were there? Three carriers. They hadn't heard from these carriers, and they were major carriers. Like this this fleet in, in or specifically, they hadn't heard from them in a while. And you know, so we have you got spies out there, and you've got listening devices and things like that, and you have ways to intercept. Uh, communications and they hadn't heard a single word out of there and that was by design by the Japanese the Japanese cut off all communication so in their voyage from that bay in in Japan towards their steam to Pearl Harbor they they strictly communicated by signal so zero radio communication from that point until um until that point until they got to north of Pearl Harbor and then they turned south towards Pearl Harbor. So the, the Japanese planned that very well. They were they were able to like cut down all communications and you know the crews and things like that on those boats had were out, they were on lockdown. They couldn't talk to anybody and eventually they get within striking distance of Pearl Harbor. So kind of fast which, which was like 200 and something miles, which is by the time they launched the planes, it was right. probably a couple hundred miles. Yeah, which you know, still was like far as far as hell, but like that striking distance. So, yeah, right. And I want to say they steamed over a couple thousand miles, 
um, you know, to get from Japan over to Oh, yeah, um, you figure it took, I mean, they left on the 26th. That's 11 days before the attack. So how long did it take them to get there and then set up and plan and, and get ready to launch? Yeah, I, I want to say it was it was roughly like a week or so. It took them to steam from yeah. Japan over and get into position before they launched right. the actual attack. So, kind of fast forwarding to December seventh. Uh, December seventh was a Sunday. Um, generally speaking, in the in the military on a Sunday, you're not doing much, right? You're having religious services. You're, you know, if, if you're a sailor stationed in Hawaii, you're. You're, you're hooping it up, right? You're you're having you're hung over you know, from Saturday night. You think about 1941, man. They were having the, you know those big band dances and things like mm-hmm. that, and having a good time, and yep. you know, and you know, so that next morning they might have woken up a little bit late. They might have you know had a little bit of a late call. They get up, eat some breakfast, and things like that. And I want to say um, it was about what six thirty in the morning or so that they or six o'clock, six thirty in the morning that the uh, Japanese launched the first planes. It was still dark. They launched the first planes off of their carriers and headed towards uh, the main island. It was just before 8 a.m. when they started the attack. But what I thought was interesting as I was reading up on it, too, is at 3.42, the USS Condor actually spotted a submarine outside of Pearl Harbor. Right, and reported it up. Yep, Um, reported it up. And then they even, they'd spotted, um, like, a massive, um, like, uh, group of planes, right? Flying, yeah, and they assumed it was planes that were scheduled to come in that day. So, yeah, the radio operators, yeah, the radio operators on a, on a key outpost, you know, station around the island, all uh, were were monitoring radar. And these guys are radar operators. That's what they do. They're watching. Yeah. They're watching this radar, and all of a sudden, they get these this blip over the radar that, of these this large amount of aircraft coming towards them. And they reported to their commanding officer. The commanding officer was a fill in for the day, yeah. and he was. Um, he was just there to learn more about to learn about the radar systems, and um, it had something to do with uh, they. What they would do is when uh, in, on these flights coming from the mainland of the U.S. to Hawaii, they would play music, and they could hear the music over the radio, and they knew that like the music over the radio, like this like Hawaiian music over the radio, they knew that it was like a friendly mm-hmm. incoming. So they had heard that music because they had friendly mm-hmm. incoming aircraft that morning. So they figured that these were like these yeah. were friendly bombers coming in or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so that guy never really never reported that up. He never reported that radar sighting, which was to the detriment. And I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can pick apart Pearl Harbor in a million different ways, just like you can nine eleven or any other major catastrophe throughout history. When you go back and you look at it, you can find a million different failures in it. You know. So, um, yeah. So. It, so the attack was interesting. They, they it was extremely coordinated. Uh, One of my favorite parts about Pearl Harbor is that Pearl Harbor is actually a pretty shallow harbor, about forty feet deep. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason they set it up there is torpedoes cannot launch in that depth. So they thought it was protected from any submarines and torpedoes. Definitely from. Definitely from large submarines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what the Japanese did to counter that, because they knew it. So they had Japanese spies on the island. There was actually a large population of Japanese of Japanese citizens that lived within the U.S. or lived at on Hawaii. That um, And in, in so it was mm-hmm. easy for them to integrate spies in there. And what mm-hmm. they did was they measured everything. They measured the depth. They snorkeled it. They they would take flyovers. They would do all these different touristy type things around Pearl Harbor 
and they were gathering information, taking pictures, sending all that back to Japan. So Japan had a really good idea of what Pearl Harbor right. looked like. And in that, in de- in designing that attack, they knew that their torpedoes would, when they dropped them from a plane, because of the weight and size of these things and at the velocity that they're coming in, that these would, they go to a depth of about 60 feet before they actually plane out and then strike their target. So on the open ocean, that's fine. But in a 40-foot harbor, that's not going to work out. So what they did was they designed a wooden fin that would break away, basically. So it would hit the water, plane out super fast, break away, and then go towards its target. So it was ingenious. Right. Like, it was... It Seriously. It, I mean, it obviously worked, which we'll get into a little bit here. Yeah, that's just that's always, like, one of the most fascinating yeah. things about it, like, that they figured that out to right. get around that shallow harbor. And, and I mean, it's yeah. a TTP. It's a tactic, a technique, and a procedure that the, that the Japanese designed in order or that they figured out in order to counter you know american defenses there so pearl harbor at the time was the uh it was the home of the fleet home of the pacific fleet so at that at that time there was um you know three main carriers that were stationed there about there was uh eight battleships in port at the time um and, and a host of other stuff so there was, it was a major fleet yeah, at 20, Pearl Harbor, so that was why Pearl Harbor was chosen by the Japanese as a primary target because they knew if they destroyed it, if they could, if they could hit all their targets, that it would cripple the U.S. Navy. And at the time, the U.S. Army uh, was very small in America prior to World War II. You know, after every major conflict, you have a serious downsizing in, in troops because it costs the government a huge amount of money. So they downsized in troops coming out of World War One. Never really rebuilt it right up until until we. Declare war in World War II, but the U.S. Navy had expanded, so the Navy was huge. We were one of the most powerful navies in the world at the time, probably second under Japan at the time. Japan being the most powerful navy in the world, and then um, so the, the Japanese had decided to hit Pearl Harbor because they, they knew if they hit Pearl Harbor, they could control the Pacific completely because Pearl that was the primary. Now you had other parts of the fleet in San Diego and, and along the American coast. But Pearl Harbor was it, really, for the Pacific. Um, so there were some serious communication breakdowns that, that happened along that time. Like, again, I think I talked about some intelligence reports that were reported that there's going, well, to, be an, there's going to be an attack. Well, you think about it, though. Like, we talked about it on our, our 9-11 episode. Think about all the, the communication that they got alerting them of an attack and how long it took before, like, all that happened. And you think about back in, the, back in 1941 – how they're relaying information compared to how we were even doing it in 2001 when 9-11 happened and the delay, I mean, precious minutes of, like, information trying to get back and forth in the modern era. Think about it back in 1941. They're trying to relay information by fucking telegram. Right. You know, <laughs> or, or, or radio and, like, just think about, like, you know, and again, they didn't think that there was an attack. They thought a lot of different things. It just so I want to I want to say that there was a telegram that was sent at I, I want to say that it was received at like seven thirty three or something like that in the morning. It was a telegram that got sent through Western Union from Washington because Washington was alerting Pearl Harbor of an imminent attack. They knew it was going to happen. They just didn't know exactly when. Yeah. 
but they knew it would happen. And they were alerting Pearl Harbor because that's where the Pacific Fleet was. And I want to say that it came in at 7.33 that morning through Western Union because through the military channels, through the military telegram channels, they were like, it was just down, wasn't working right. So they had to send it through Western Union, through a normal telegram-type system. And it came in as like a moderate priority-type message where they gave it to some dude on a motorcycle. And in Honolulu, you like, you know, traffic was nuts even back then. And the guy, it never got there in time, right? Because it was at 748, the, the first planes came in. So um, talk. I'll talk a little bit about the attack. The attack was uh, pretty well-coordinated, came in, in, in several waves. And in that first wave... Um, the, the Japanese, uh, the torpedo bombers, the dive bombers, as well as the high altitude bombers were kind of set in staggered positions and they had certain signals like communication devices, not like they are now where one fighter pilot can talk to the other and it's real easy to do. It wasn't like that back then. So they kind of had, they just went off of signals and the, uh, the main commander for the, um, you know, for the, uh, the air forces at the time, he was to fire, I want to say it was if they had if they had gotten the element of surprise, he was to fire one flare. If he fired two flares, that means they didn't have the element of surprise. And there were so there's two different attacks. One would start with the battleships in the harbor. And that was if they had reached the element of surprise, they would hit them first because those would be more defended than the airfields. Mm -hmm. If they had or had not reached the element of surprise, they had to fire two flares. And that means that they didn't have the element of surprise, hit the airfields first, and then we'll focus in on the um, on the boats and or the ships. And um, he fired the first one, and nobody responded. Like, they didn't do what they were supposed to do in formation, so he fired a second one. So then they thought, okay, he fired two of them, so they went immediately for the airfields. So the airfields were hit first, um, caused mass devastation to the airfields. So kill, or I think what was it, destroyed 130-something planes. I don't have the stats. Uh, 300 planes. 300 planes between two different airfields were uh -huh. destroyed. And... Um, you know, almost immediately. So they, they just, boom, hit those real fast. And then after that, directly focused in on the, um, directly focused in on the ships that were in the harbor. Um, so you had a, you know, in, in the harbor, you have two different sides to the main harbor. One side was battleship row, where all the battleships were moored. So on the opposite side, you had the aircraft carriers. The aircraft carriers, luckily at the time, were not important. For whatever reason, they had left port. I don't know if it was some kind of exercises or something that they were doing. I don't know. I didn't. Re I haven't read that far into it. But um, they were not imported at the time, and that was lucky for the U.S. because it had had they been imported, they probably wouldn't have been able to defend them against the onslaught that was coming. Yeah. But the yeah. uh, the eight battleships that were in there, um, some yeah. just some kind of interesting tidbits about those. Uh, they were kind of stacked in two rows, so those outer ships. Um, I want to say it was the uh, the West Virginia and the the West Virginia, the California, and the Oklahoma were the first to be hit. And the reason that they were hit that way was because the way that the canal runs, they had to run down the canal when they made their torpedo runs. They had to run down those canals because the turbulence off of the mainland wouldn't have been able to, wouldn't have been stabilized enough. And not only that, but they wouldn't have enough water to be able to drop those torpedoes to swim. Towards the uh, towards the ships, so they had to run down these canals and in, in making their final runs with the torpedoes. So in doing so, 
they had to target that the aft part or the the back part of that column where they were moored and they that that was where the the Oklahoma West Virginia and the California were kind of stationed on the outside so you had two stacks of uh two stacks of three um so you had the the Oklahoma um and the California was kind of offset so those ones got hit immediately i want to say it was 12 torpedoes kind of in a row and they were these these planes were staggered about a about a thousand feet in between each plane so you're looking about 300 yards in between each plane as they came in and they just kept dropping them if you think about how fast a plane is flying it's every couple of seconds there was a torpedo being dropped in the water so 12 right away and uh the oklahoma west virginia and the california well the california kind of got hit a little bit later but the oklahoma and the west virginia just got pummeled I mean, I think it was the Oklahoma took seven, took seven torpedoes and eventually sunk them. So that's kind of the first yeah. wave. And, and there's a host of other like stuff that happens, yeah. but it happens over a course of 11 minutes. Yeah. So the first wave should have happened in about 90 seconds. That was what the Japanese had planned. 90 seconds, a minute and a half to cause an immediate devastation on that whole fleet. But because of... The U.S. response, the sailors, they immediately manned battle stations and they were able to get on guns within about three minutes of that original attack and start laying down fire. And it caused a lot of confusion within the Japanese forces. The Japanese, the, so what, what I gathered out of, out of all the research that I've ever done on Pearl Harbor was that the Japanese were jacked up. Yeah, their plan, their best laid plan went to shit in a heartbeat, which is like that in all militaries. But they it went to shit, and between smoke, overcast skies, and everything else that was happening in the anti-aircraft fire, they had to readjust, make multiple passes, things like that. So it took them about 11 minutes for that first run. And in that first run, they were, I think at that point, they had crippled about five different main battleships as well as a host of other destroyers and things like that on the other side of um, of the harbor. And then after that, the bombers came in. Yeah. yeah 300 planes, 20 naval ships, and 2,404 people died. Right. Crazy. Um, in a matter of minutes. <laughs> kind of another interesting tidbit about the bombing. So, like, that second run was a bombing run high altitude bombers and the dive bombers kind of came in and it was really more or less to target the inside row of battleships. So the outside row was to be hit by the torpedoes, which, and they were very effective in what they did. And then the, uh, the second run was uh, conducted by the high altitude bombers and dive bombers. And they, um, they caused mass devastation. And one of the interesting things about that was the, uh, the Japanese had designed a bomb uh, from one of their artillery shells, which was an armor-piercing artillery shell that they could drop from high altitude, which would pierce through the deck of a boat and then detonate underneath. And that's exactly what... Um, some of them were duds, some of them didn't work so well, um, but some of them were very effective and most effective on the Arizona. Yeah. The Arizona was hit twice. It was hit in the aft part um, on the first hit detonated below deck and then the second one was hit on the i want to say it was off the front turret which penetrated the uh the main battery underneath and detonated the um which is the kind of the iconic uh video that you see if you ever watch anything on pearl harbor you'll see this massive detonation off of a ship and that was where that that armor piercing round or armor piercing bomb detonated underneath the ship 
and ignited about a million pounds of of powder. It detonated that and uh-huh. just just blew the ship. Actually, lifted the ship out of almost nearly out of the water from from firsthand yeah. accounts and killed about a thousand sailors in in a in a kind of one fail swoop. So, um, yeah. the Arizona and one other ship sunk to the bottom. And Utah. The, the Utah, the Arizona was never raised. I think I want to say they raised everything but the Arizona. Maybe Utah. I, still just, no, I don't think Utah got raised either because they're both memorials. They, they they sunk multiple ships, but everything was raised except for the Arizona and, the, and apparently the Utah. But um, yeah, so that Maybe that's kind of dev- a devastating day. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, really, this is what triggered the United States enter World War Two. So, that, so on December eighth, that 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 clip that I just played was FDR asking Congress uh, to declare war, right? And uh, three days late, and and after that that speech, three days later, Germany and Italy actually declared war with the United States. Yeah, crazy. So, so and that's some, really what got us into not just the Pacific side of it, but into. The European side too, right? Changed the world forever. So, in in going back in this in the story and everything that I talked about, we talked about the oil embargo and cutting off Japan. Japan is expanding, right? It's invading another country. We cut it off, start sanctioning the hell out of it, and then Japan finds no other reason but to make war with us. How does that does that sound at all familiar to any current events? A little bit. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? A little bit. History is doomed to repeat itself. Yep. We don't learn from it. We're doomed to repeat it. But yeah. it's, I, I just find, I, I find that the story of Pearl Harbor very interesting. There's a lot of, like, conspiracy. There's so much to that story besides, I, 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 that people don't know. Yeah. That besides, like, yes, the U.S. Or the U.S. got attacked by Japan and we entered the war after it. But, like, if you really understand, like you said, like, what happened before it. What happened after it? Um, like it just—it's uh, fascinating, right? It launched into about the next six yeah. months or so. Were dominated by the Japanese uh, Imperial Navy. Um, they had secured multiple islands throughout the Pacific, and uh, the U.S. began a campaign uh, to take to start capturing strategic locations mm-hmm. along the way, uh, from Guadalcanal to Solomon Islands. Onto Midway, Midway being kind of the turning point of the Pacific Theater. Um, Midway is a is yeah. an awesome battle in itself to to study. It, yeah. It's it's significant. It's oh yeah, it's in like Amer- in American military I mean, there's history. Some, but there's some documentaries I watched that say like that was the turning point. One hundred percent in the war. I mean, besides you know the atomic bombs, it was, like, it, it, was, was it was a turning point in because it led to really key battles after that that needed to happen. Okinawa and, and, and some other things, yep. right? Yeah. In order for us to do certain things. So, yeah, I think I mean, besides like the Pacific War to me is, I think I might like it better than the European side. Like the European side is definitely, I think, the more popular one that yeah. more people know about. But the Pacific side was just just nasty for the United States. right? I mean, you, you listen to some of these these soldiers talk about what they went through over there and shit. We know Smith up north; he was on Solomon Islands. Yeah, fought like, in the Solomon fought, Islands. Enlisted when he was sixteen years old in the Marine Corps. Some yeah. of the bloodiest battles happened on these islands, and, yep. but they were key because you know, like even like Iwo Jima, that was a key island to take because that led to 
really the um, the atomic bombs. We needed that island to be able to launch. Yeah. To be able to launch onto Japan. But if we didn't get that island, we wouldn't be able to launch planes to get close enough to we need to be as to a certain distance to be able to launch onto the mainland of japan there's a lot of stuff that what that that's just really not mainstream in right. on the pacific side you know like the you don't think about that the the japanese attacks on u.s mainland like mm-hmm. the, the, the submarines and things like that mm-hmm. that would come into seattle or you know what i'm saying like up into the columbia river in washington or or the the balloons that would be sent over to cause forest fires you know, there's there's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in World War II, and especially in the Pacific theater that like that I think the European theater definitely shadows, uh, mm-hmm. overshadows a lot of the uh, stuff that happened on the Pacific, and I don't know why because Japan- it is the Japanese were as fucked up as Hitler, if not it was, <laughs> if not more absolutely I mean, brutal, were, man, absolutely brutal. brutal. And um, you think about the uh, Dan, what were you gonna say? Sorry. No, I was just gonna ask. I mean, what what do you think is the reason why that's not spoken about or talked about what's your thoughts on that i don't know i mean no do you I think mean, it's besides, because besides you, the fact that it's it's so in my eyes it's so much bloodier than the european side i was gonna I, say do you think that's what they speak about in like japan when they talk pearl harbor do you think they tell those stories to where you know it kind of almost shows almost like a almost like a point of weakness for us to where we don't even talk about it because we don't want to go back there, right? I mean, it, I it, it might be. It might be that, yeah. like, like Pearl Harbor's a big black eye, you know, yeah. for the for in U.S. history is that we, we were attacked. Right. But at the same time, in kind of transforming or, or going back a little bit, the attack on Pearl Harbor completely changed the American support for war. Right. Once you're in, in just like 9-11, when we were attacked on 9-11, you saw people that could give two shits about the military, could give two shits about foreign politics or geopolitics at all, all of a sudden become patriots, right? Same kind of thing. Like I said, 16% of people supported any kind of material support toward uh, for China against Japan in, in the pre-year wars of the 1930s. All of a sudden, we get attacked. You've got a 90% of Americans were ready to go to war and volunteered to go to war and and, and mobilized the whole country. You had, you had women who at that point had a, you know, it was, it was very much expected of a woman to keep the home, right? All of a sudden they're working in factories, building planes, tanks, ships, things like that. It transformed the the whole United States. What are those women that you always see the, the, uh, uh, Rosie the River. Yes, yeah. yeah, Rosie the River. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. like I think, well, like you said though, because we were attacked, that support grew. But you think about wars like the Korean War, Vietnam War, where we weren't directly attacked. That There's those, those wars are no so support, zero support, no support for them, right? Yeah. And then you look at the war in Iraq. Definitely, there was more support. I don't know about the aftermath of it, but. Following 9-11 and us being attacked, no. I know just from being alive at that time, like, you, I, I mean, yes, you're, you have your, your your people who are, were against the war, but, I mean, there, I, th- I would definitely say there was more that were for going and, you know. Afghanistan was always known as the good war, right? Yeah. Because there was justification for going right. to war with that in, in Afghanistan right. because of al-Qaeda and things like that. Right. The justification for going into Iraq has been scrutinized 
since right. its inception to right. the current day, the right. weapons of mass destruction and all the other the the the, the things that Bush t- put forward towards going or the okay. the provocation of going to war with in yeah. Iraq was always denounced. It was always yeah. an issue. Now you had still had you were and it was piggybacking off of that patriotism and things like that from the nine eleven attack yeah. that kind of still offered a lot of support for that. But at the same time, um, you know when it came to when it came to World War Two, the Pacific side was, you know, I think it was less of a less popular because it was the the objectives were not as great. You know what I'm saying? Like island hopping, going and taking. We're yeah. going to take this island that's the size of well, yeah, the they, this the city of Detroit. Yeah, they they take this you know, island, the city you know what of I'm Detroit, saying? and we lose five thousand soldiers or however many soldiers we lose to take this little island. Right, small blips, right. small blips right. uh, in the news, though. Right, but but liberating France, our ally. Right. Everybody knows France. You right. know Paris. You know all these things. Mm-hmm. Liberating Paris yeah. is a big deal. You right. see what I'm saying? So I think mm-hmm. that that's where the European theater got well, more plus, well, plus, fanfare, more well, plus Hitler. Uh, there's more the, mystique the Jews, to it. I the guess. concentration camps, that whole side, the fact to, to take him that take him down. Like I think that's where the it wasn't really known. Maybe like it, the the concentration camps weren't really known at the time. Like, right, right. I, it, I'm more talking was, like right now. Why it's like people more associate. You think World War II? I think a lot of people's minds go right to Europe. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They don't go to the Pacific side. Not at all. And and again, it's it's a uh, kind of a cultural thing. It's right, a right. It's a little bit of I, a. I think I'm honestly like I love the European side. I mean, I watched so many documentaries and read on it and like but the more i learn about the pacific side like i think that's just more fascinating I, 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 yeah I, I i just think that there's there's less because of because of the, the japanese were were fucking crazy right they were not going to surrender they just weren't like, it didn't matter no, no. what we did we kept taking Absolute. back these island taking back these islands and i think that's where absolute again, warriors man so like my final piece on this my favorite part of the entire war is the Hiroshima and Hiroshima, however you say it, and Nagasaki, and the, actually dropping the bombs. And, like, as you read into that and, like, what all took place to make that happen was um, was crazy. Devastating, but changed the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and, right. and, and put the United States in a footing to become a world power, obviously. Right. So, so what I didn't realize about it as I was reading up about it, like, so the the Quebec Agreement, do you know what that is? Mm, I probably so do. so that's an agreement that the UK and the US had that the US could not drop nuclear weapons unless they had mutual consent like between the UK and United States. So in order for them to drop the bomb on Hiroshima, they had to have consent from the UK. Really? And I didn't realize that. <laughs> it wasn't that. just like Truman making the call, like they they signed an agreement called the Quebec Agreement. They had to have mutual consent to drop the bomb. I know I know that Truman really really struggled with dropping the bomb. Yeah. He knew the bomb, mm-hmm. like we had tested it, and but I don't think they really understood the the devastation it was going to do. No, no, like yeah, you. I can't. don't mean I because they they had tested it, but like they didn't test it on these major cities. So, yeah. um. Yeah, but I, I know he definitely struggled with in the in making that call to uh, to drop the bomb on both Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki. So, so but, the um, just a, a quick timeline. So, um, August, so August first of nineteen forty five. So this is 
four years after Pearl Harbor, the the Enola Gay, which is the the plane that dropped both bombs, um, they start preparing for their mission, and only like two people on that plane knew what they were dropping. Yeah, and it was like the there was like a nuclear physicist, and I think uh, I don't know if it was a launch guy or something like actually knew what they were dropping, but they were given like these blacked out goggles and said like you're going to be dropping a bomb you need to wear these goggles yeah <laughs> fascinating like that they didn't know what they were doing and then august 6 they dropped the first bomb on hiroshima hiroshima or hiroshima i've heard uh, both ways it's, it's i'm gonna say hiroshima potato potato because i, I mean it, it's all in the it's let's all in the call the whole the thing off yeah so they dropped the bomb august 6 and i mean and this is after multiple this is after multiple like Truman saying, like, you need to surrender or you're going to have immediate destruction. And it was actually, um, um, was it the Potsdam, Potsdam Declaration? The Potsdam Agreement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so August 6, 1945, they dropped the bomb in Hiroshima. 80,000 people. Vaporized. Instantly dead. Turned into glass. 80,000 people instantly dead. And then another 70,000 people die afterward or no i'm sorry you're injured and then i don't even know if they have a number of how many died after the fact that's how many died instantly yeah that's that's the real the real issue with nuclear weapons is the right is the after the after effects Mm -hmm. are are much or it can be much more devastating so so they dropped this bomb eighty thousand instantly dead and the the emperor of japan says we're not surrendering Yep. Think about that. We're not surrendering. Because nope. that's that's just their mindset, right? So then two days later, August 8th, so the, the first bomb was called Little Boy. And then Fat August Man. August 8th, 1945, they dropped Fat Man on Nagasaki. Yeah, one was plutonium and one was uranium. Yeah, um, which was pretty much, well, I think the one was 16 kiloton and the other one was like 24 kiloton. Which are, which are minuscule compared to what we have today. Right. So they drop um, the second bomb on Nagasaki, and the problem is, is the, the 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 plane misses its target by seven miles. Damn. Yeah, so it actually landed in a valley, and majority of Nagasaki actually didn't feel the brunt of it. So not as many people died in Nagasaki, but it was still like forty thousand people died. So why didn't they drop it on Tokyo? They were so I read into that there were. Um, Five targets that were okayed with, like, through the Quebec Agreement to to target, and Tokyo was not one that was authorized. Right, it's the most densely populated, right. and, and would cause them because most what they really wanted to do, they like wanted a, a show of power, basically saying like without, like, they wanted mass destruction, but I don't think they wanted to hit a capital type thing, you know. Yeah, but they wanted the- to show the the power that they had, and so then right after August eighth, Truman comes on and basically says like. Like, well, like basically, if the next city's coming up, like if you don't surrender. Well, so a mainland invasion of Japan was planned, and uh, the casualty estimates were unbelievable. Like, not even, not even comprehensible, yeah. you know, on on today's scale. So it was in that I assume was in Truman's mind when he had oh, yeah. to make that decision to do so. Well, but, knowing that they're not going to surrender. The, we, the the interesting thing about that is it, it and it wasn't necessarily the bomb on Nagasaki that caused the Japanese surrender either. Right, it no, because they didn't surrender until almost a month later. They didn't surrender until Russia declared war on Japan. Yeah. If you look at the dates, 
they coincide with one another. So yeah. uh, Russia declares war on Japan, and they immediately surrender shortly after that. So it was, um, yeah. So I, I, and again, That's, change change the world, and yeah. uh, nuclear weapons eventually plunged us into a cold war, yeah. and um, and started and and the division that happened afterwards, both on the you know on, on the far east asian side as well as in europe we are still seeing evidence mm-hmm. of that today and we're seeing yeah. that and we're seeing evidence of that in the current right. situation in ukraine uh, which is all i mean part it's, of the Cold it's War, terrible so. that it came to that it's terrible that that we had to use those bombs but so long story short this was a long story but long story short the day which will live in infamy absolutely shaped the world that we live in today 100 percent. had it never happened had it had you know we made peace Uh had we come to an agreement in the months prior with Uh japan and whatever it might be we would see a very different world today we might not we eventually i think nuclear weapons would have come along yeah but not at the speed that it did right you know what i'm saying and we would in relationships would be different throughout the world it's it's a it's it's a fascinating thing to kind of to ponder from from one day one attack change change the world right one one bullshit and and shitty plan from the from the japanese army to to you want to make war with the united states somebody else will raise your sons and daughters david bellavia (laughs) david bellavia had to say that think about it this way too think if they would have hit tokyo and what implications it would have had on the world today because think about all the imports that tokyo has i mean all the vehicles Mm -hmm. that come out of tokyo i mean like 15, 16 percent of the world's printers come out of. We are Tokyo. we're allies you know, with Japan. I right. I work you know, with Japanese soldiers in Iraq. Yeah, I mean, could could you could you just imagine if it hit that much of a densely populated? If we're talking, right. well, 150, 160,000. And I'm sure that's 30. probably why they did not want to hit exactly. a city like that yeah. because of the the fallout of it. Really, yeah. it's. Um, I mean, I've watched videos of because they actually have footage of them dropping the bomb. I think it's a second one. Nagasaki, there's better footage of it, but there's some like well, because after some they, mushroom cloud footage of Hiroshima, right. but because some of the people yeah. that were on the plane that knew what they were doing, they were there to literally study it to see what happens because this is the first time it had been dropped on a populated city. And then this, after they saw it, they brought in like a professional photographer to get video of the second one yeah. that's why there's so so much better footage of nagasaki so i wrote i wrote this uh i wrote this paper in in high school it was probably like my junior or senior year and it was it was a social studies class or something like that and we were studying world war ii and i wrote this paper and i took so much time and effort into this paper and it was like i told like a first person view or viewpoint of them dropping the uh, of of being a Japanese person in Hiroshima on the day that that first bomb fell, and I told like this first person view of this right. I did a lot of research into this, and I was not a great student. I didn't I didn't I didn't put that much effort into a lot of things, but I put a lot of effort into this, and that's where I kind of knew that I was passionate yeah. about history. And uh, I wrote this paper, and I spent a lot of time, and I wound up getting like a C plus on this fucking paper. I was so mad, dude. I was like, "You suck! Yeah. I hate you, teacher." Because yeah. I, I, it, I thought it was great. I wish I could go back and read that paper. Yeah. I have no idea what happened to yeah. it. But. Yeah. So Pearl Harbor, uh, December seventh. It's a big day. The it is. Day that it is. In infamy. Like, it, 
a lot of people like know like oh yeah it's Pearl Harbor Day like but do you really understand Pearl Harbor what caused it and the aftermath of it's, Pearl Harbor it's just and I, it's, it's, and I think a lot of people will answer that question and say no they don't because you know, in, in, in reality they should know that day as as much as they know 9-11 I think there's people 100%. that grew up during that time frame kind of like us mm-hmm. being young through 9-11 right we'll be able to talk where we were where we were sitting you know mm-hmm. like the the challenger explosion yep. i mean during living during that time people mm-hmm. will be able to tell you where you were at mm-hmm. i remember it <laughs> so all so for for this younger generation educate yourself on pearl harbor yeah please there's a great documentary that netflix just dropped on it there's a million documentaries. Yeah, like Pearl Harbor Minute but, by Minute. Or yeah, something. the Pearl Harbor yeah. Minute by Minute yeah. is very cool. Um, the the one I really like on Netflix is the World War Two. Um, in Living Color in, or something in, like in cover, yeah, in, that. Color, in Color. And then, Those and are then great. there's another yeah. one, the same series, but it's like key moments of the war. And there's a couple that are like the Battle of Midway's on there. Pearl Harbor's on there, and the, and and that episode of Pearl Harbor does talk backstory. What, yeah, what yeah. Midway. Got, what got to the point? Midway has a good. Uh, Midway is a great series. That's a great, oh, it's great show. Fast. I mean, the the, <laughs> the movie was really good, but the documentary. We're not going to get too, like too, do, you, too deep into it, but like what um, what the United States did to to win the battle of Mid- Midway is fascinating because it was such a key battle. If they if they didn't lose if they lose that battle. The whole war is different. It holds everything changes. It's crazy the way that, that like battle shaped out too. Like there was yeah. just a lot of a lot of heroes it, in that story. Right, too. right. And, yeah. and but anyway, they, like, if you want to get your history, don't get it from the Ben Affleck version of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh my no. god! Although Kate Kate Beckinsale's are right Kate that Beckinsale's movie. Are right. But yeah, don't get it from Ben Affleck because he's the worst actor on earth. In general, I mean those those movies are great. Like in general, he's the worst. Like actor. I mean, I love watching war movies, like when they're when they're well done. But like in re- I I would much rather watch docu- documentaries because um, I do I do love their portrayal of the Dewey the, raid. The midway the Dewey raid was the midway documentaries cool. are fascinating because it was um was it who was who was the filmmaker that was over in midway filming everything was it Capra? Um, one of the main movie movie uh, directors was filming. Everything on Midway. Yeah, he's he's like say, a well-known. I want to say it was too, Frank, yeah. Frank Capra. Something like listeners that, yeah. are probably going to call me out, but I I, I want to say I know Frank Capra filmed the war. I, I just don't know if he was on the European side or if he was at Midway, but somebody was. Maybe Jason can Google it um, <laughs> if, if he's awake over there. Um, oh yeah, but um, they he was on the island filming it while the attack happened. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I watched the, footage the, of that. The footage is unbelievable. Yeah, I'd rather John watch Ford. John Ford. It was Ford, yeah. Yes. There you go. That's who it was. Um, just that, see, that goes back to that only only the dead we were talking about. Like, that dude, um, um, Michael Ware, yeah. filming that stuff side-by-side shoulder, or shoulder, watching people get killed, watching stuff blow up, like, these directors, man. Like, yeah, war correspondents they, and things like that, like... As a service member, like we hated them when I, I, well, yeah, I, I they're, had, getting, they're getting I in your M- way. <laughs> I had MTV attached to me. I had Gideon Yago from MTV attached to me for like, I don't know, it was like a week. And I swear to God, like I wanted to slap that dude every mm-hmm. five seconds, man, because he was such a whiner, complainer. And like, why are you guys doing that? And one of the ask you questions it, like, all the time. And I'm like, dude, like, like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, we're going to hit this house. 
and we're going to do this because well, like I don't have time to answer questions right now because I have a job to do. Yeah. And like he was getting in the way, and he yeah. would get in the way in on the objective and stuff like that. It was like. All right, yeah. man, you're causing problems. But there are yeah. really good filmmakers and producers out there that go yeah. out there and really capture what's happening. And these stories wouldn't be told without them. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're only going to get stories from the people that experienced it. And it's it's and that's what I'm so interested in history and what I've learned in studying history for so long is that it's, history is told through a lens. So what you may think you know about uh, Roman civilizations, Greek civilizations, World War II, or World War One, or whatever it might be, is all told from a perspective. You have to get multiple perspectives in order to be able to make some kind of objective, you know, kind of conclusion as to what actually happened. Nobody actually knows what happened in anything. Mount Vesuvius exploding and destroying Pompeii. We have no idea. We can only speculate what actually happened there. So you yeah. see what I'm saying? That's what I love about history is that it's told through a lens. Yeah. It's storytelling. And it's it's trying to discern what is fact fiction from an actual story. And the same thing is, you know, from Pearl Harbor or from, you know, D-Day and, and, and all these different or 9-11. It's all being told through a lens. So you have to, like, take that into account whenever yeah. you look back in any kind of history. But I, th- I think it's, history is so important to be able to understand, to learn from that, yeah. like to learn from those mistakes or to learn from uh, how much did we learn from 9-11? Our airports see it every day, right? Yeah. Our airports have changed. Our security has I mean, it, it's unfortunate that it takes events like that for us to, to learn. And, it is. It really but, is. You know, it's that's but all, it, all these events, you think about it dating back three, four hundred, five hundred years have, have basically created the world we live in now. In in some way they've all changed yep. the way things whether it be World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, um, even back into the American Indian War, like so much shit has happened that has um, we're not gonna get too deep into all that shit, but But it's a good point. It raises a good point because I mean it truly does. Like you said about the airports and nine eleven. I mean I I personally couldn't imagine being alive during that time frame of Pearl Harbor and not being able to look on my phone and be able to be like, you know, because I mean, even in 2001, I mean, we, I mean, phones really weren't that big of a thing. Social media wasn't that big of a thing. Nope. You know, then to have like zero communication to everything is is crazy. You know, I mean, I think that's my, my favorite part about history is thinking about all this shit happening back in the forties and people didn't have their iPhones. Mm -hmm. They didn't, they barely had, they a lot of people didn't even have a TV, yep. you know. Um, they had yep. radio, yep. so they're hearing about the war. They're hearing about what's going on yeah. in in the Europe, and then hearing on hearing what's going on on the Pacific side uh, through their their radio broadcast at eight o'clock at night. I couldn't imagine how scary it had to have been. Seriously, like I mean, knowing that the the Japanese just attacked Pearl Harbor, yeah. and especially if you lived on the West Coast, exactly. Like yeah. holy shit, yeah. you know. It's, um, I mean, it was scary for me in during nine eleven. I oh, mean, yeah. that was it was terrifying. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember like in school we're practicing drills where like we're getting yeah. under our desk. Exactly. Like I felt like they did this shit back in like yeah. the Cold War days. Like yeah. and I'm doing it in in high school. And, I know. Yeah. In early two thousands, like yeah. crazy. Jason, you still with us? I'm still with you. Jimmy, Jimmy's sleeping. Good morning, here, Jason. So. Good I've got morning. the uh, good morning report numbers. <laughs> Oh, well, before, before we get to the deer harvest numbers, um, ooh, we'll, we'll get there. We never did that. I know. Well, I, I figured we'd wait for Jason. So, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so before we get there, um, I saved the snort because um, I wanted to, to snort kind of after we got done with Pearl Harbor, and I want to and I want to send this snort to all the soldiers that died that day, all the the sailors that died that day, all the airmen that died that day, um, all the civilians that died that day, because um, this snort's for you. Snort! Jimmy, that's how you snort. It's been a while since we heard the big bellows from Ryan. The air horn. Sounds like the Edmund yeah. Fitzgerald. The legend lives on. You know what, though? From the Chippewas on down. The best part the- of waking up is Folgers in your cup. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Still stuck in my head. But what do we got? We got snorts. Snorted to everybody that died at Pearl Harbor. Ah. We are honoring them with apple pucker. Because <laughs> that's how terrible outdoorsmen roll. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get a lighter subject. So, um, well done, Bob. It was. Uh, it, yeah, I'm glad that we covered it. Um, it all those those, those everybody, significant events are super important to me. Everybody, anybody that's listened been listening since day one. One, thank you. But two, knows that we're big into military. Um, like we did our Memorial Day special, we did our 9/11 special. Um, we're big into, and we do our veteran salute. So we're big into uh, supporting the military. So any of these big key dates, like we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, and. Uh, that's yeah. If you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. The next episode might be for you, but this one's for me. So that's how I roll. All right. So before we got we got some Q and A, we're going to get to, um, and then b- before we get into that, Jason, let's get into the deer harvest. Oh, here we go. So we're sitting at. Let's see. About seven o'clock was when I turned it on, December sixth. The number is two hundred sixty-three thousand and eighty-six. Okay, so we said last time that we were going to do a little wager mm. to see what the final number is. We're doing it Price is Right style. Bing bong. Yeah. We're going to see what the... The price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> we're going to... Whoever's closest and his Price is Right style, you cannot go over. So... One dollar. I'm sorry. What was that? Number? I feel twenty. I feel two hundred sixty-three. I feel some. Uh, I feel some sneaky one higher shenanigans. So I feel like I would rather go like the end. submit it, <laughs> submit it on a piece of paper so that people have to legitimately come up with a number, not just there. You like, go. Okay. Oh, so they, they don't do that. Plus one. They don't do that in prices, right? Though you do it on the line, right, right. there. That is true. I think I think true. all of us should just text Ryan individually. There you go. Ryan number. already has mine. Are text you sticking it, with text that number? Text it to him individually. Yeah. Okay. That way nobody can actually see it. Don't don't do it on the group text. No. no Send just, him a text with your number, and we'll go from there. And then he's got to read them out, right? I will. Yep. So I'm going to write mine down before you got before I look at any of yours. What is that stake here? Huh? What's steak. that stake here? It, um. So it, 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 well done, steak. A well-done steak and a case of beer and a bottle of pucker. How do you like the, your steak cooked? The winner gets a case of beer and a bottle of pucker, right? Paid for by the four losers. And I want a well-done steak. <laughs> With ketchup on it? Well done. All right, so I'm going to write mine down. Um, 
and this is this is by January first that we're doing January first, which the so the last day to hunt is yeah. January first. Are we not counting so Janu- the seven deer so taken January from Wayne 2nd. County and after January? Hmm? Are we not going to count the seven are, deer taken from Wayne County? We are not Wayne going County? to. It's going to go to January first. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, so I will. Well, we'll pull the numbers on January fifth because that'll give. Well, yeah, because that's seventy-two hours after January first. We'll pull them January fifth, which I think is when we have that podcast schedule. So the, uh, on that episode, what we again? yeah. What's the number? One more time. The, the baseline right 263,000 or uh, an eighty-six zero eight six. <laughs> That's good because my guess is going to be two hundred sixty-one thousand. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm still going with at least ten. So. Okay. <laughs> so Jason, I got to scroll back to yours. You dumb. Oh, I know it. Yep, I can send it again. Well, yeah, because you do some, like, I know yours. Yeah, you're dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still at 123,456? <laughs> okay, I got Daniel Sons. We're at 260-something thousand? 263,000. I went way over, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm expecting a more productive late dough than... Uh, Bob, yeah, Bob <laughs> is banking on that late dough season. He said a half million. I, yeah, we're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the highest for sure. Yep, I'm the highest. Okay. All right, so we're at 263,000. So Jimmy, his guess is two hundred and eighty-six thousand nine hundred and sixty-nine. Dan put two hundred and eighty-three thousand three hundred and twenty-one. Ooh, we're close. Jason put two hundred and seventy-seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven. <laughs> He's called lucky number seven. Bob put three hundred and ten thousand. They're killing the herd. They're killing the herd. And I put two hundred ninety-six thousand three hundred and forty-one. Hey, if if we're like. At, so I'm the highest besides Bob. So if it hits around three hundred thousand, I win. But you never know. If we'll it's, see. If it's three hundred fifty thousand, I got y'all. You got to remember, we still have. I don't want a well done. We still stuff. have like six or seven days of muzzleloader, which down here is basically rifle season, and then we have the late doe. That's why I'm. Hey, so, get out there and don't and, be terrible because uh, <laughs> I need to win this one. Yeah. All right, so we'll update those on the January. If it's, if it's brown, it's well, down. We'll the next couple episodes. We'll we'll see where we're where we're tracking because Bob might be winning it next week. Hopefully, <laughs> hey, that, it's set in stone now. You it can't is. Change it's set in shit, stone. So. It's on paper. But you wrote it on the paper. But it's on. The but you paper. didn't say it. I can't pull over any farther. All right, let's get into some Q and A because uh, question and answers. Some qua, some qua, if you will. Qua. Some, <laughs> oh, you need another beer? Where's the yeah, cat? I'm, I'm a little dry here. I need some more. I need some more coffee. It's all gone. We gotta brew another. Are we gonna talk about that? Oh man! Oh, yeah. we're, uh, hey, there's more are, coffee up there brewing. We are. Uh, we're care. trying a, a coffee of a potential partner, and um, it is damn tasty. It's good, good coffee. Yeah, that, uh, terrible Dorsman Wild approved. Wolf Coffee. Wild Wolf out of, out of Canton, Michigan. Yep. 
uh, it's, it's kind of it's kind of a homegrown uh, type <laughs> type situation. I don't know where he gets his beans and stuff from. It's oh, probably oh. not Canton. So is it made uh, with real wolf bits? It's yes. made from wolf real droppings. wild wolves. And uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's actually it's it's actually really good. Um, I compare it. I kind of compare it a little bit to like what I taste when I you know the murdered out uh, the murdered out uh, black rifle coffee is it's it's good stuff. Yep. It comes in a really small and really nice bag. It's like yeah. way out of my league type coffee. I'm more of a. It's good. Yeah, uh, these bags. These bags that he gave us, they're actually um, like stocking. His stocking stuff for bags. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. they have they, they have yeah. multiple sizes on their website and stuff. And I mean, his website's awesome. You should you guys check it out. Yeah, yeah. check him out. Wildwolfcoffee.com. Yeah, he's got a Facebook yep. page and stuff too. So yep. hopefully, uh, more to come on that. Um, uh, I dig it though. It's good coffee. Yep. It's good yep. stuff. I, I, dude, I, right. I was excited when I seen it was whole bean and we had to bust the grinder out. Yeah, it's whole bean. We had to get the grinder, and I've never had like I've freshly ground that. coffee. I'm, I've, I'm honestly. I mean, it's no Folgers. Let me tell you, it's no Maxwell House or anything. <laughs> when it, dude, when it comes oh, dude, to, Maxwell House gives me heartburn like a motherfucker. When it comes to coffee, I am. I am a basic bitch when it comes to that. I, I get so. very fancy when I buy the Dunkin' Donuts I, kind. So. I drink, dude. I love, I love, <laughs> I do, I do love me some Dunkin' Donuts coffee, but that shit is expensive. Yeah, yeah. You don't get but much for it either. Yeah. Wild Wolf, uh, man, it, it's been getting me a little, little jittery. It's got some, it's got some, it's got some pizzazz to it compared to the Folgers. I'll tell you that. It'll get you right. I'm sitting here, Jason, just watch me just bouncing in the seat. Like, yeah, let's go. Pearl Harbor. Let's yeah, Pearl, Pearl Harbor. So much Pearl Harbor. All right. Q&A. First question. <laughs> this is, um, and away. This, this is kind of an interesting go. one. It's, it's, a, it's a hunting one. We're going to we're gonna go hunting theme. So, Dan, I know you're uh, not a current hunter, but you're going to be. So, we're going to get your thoughts on it. So, yep. so if you – can you can you claim a buck if you see it on camera? Oh, shit. Is it your buck? If you if if you see a, a deer, if you see a buck on a trail camera, can you claim it as yours? All right, I'll answer this first. Being a from a non-hunter, if I'm coming onto your guys's property and you invite me out there, say Dan, I'd love you to come hunt with us, but you got one stipulation: you can't hunt this specific deer. You can't shoot this specific deer because I've been wanting it for the last year. I better have the respect to say, okay, because that might not get me an invite next time. If I shoot that deer and it's on my tag, that's that's on me. And if you're inviting me out to your place and you give me that opportunity to do so and I ruin that, then I might not get an invite. So, <laughs> Very true. You're not yeah. getting invited back. Okay, so <laughs> there you go. Well, I, mean, I mean, because I like upsetting people, uh, I'm going to take the opposite stance. Does it have fur? Yes, I'll kill it. Yes. <laughs> I, will, I will double tap his I ass. I will smoke that sucker. Pop, pop. Spots it shot, dude. <laughs> block, oh, dude. block a block. Oh, dude, I never sent this to the group, and I'm so mad at myself. So terrible. So what do you got? So while he's looking for that, what's your idea, Jimmy? What's what's the best shot placement on that? (laughs) (laughs) Right behind the eye, for real. It's a a farm with all the spots. Jason, I'm sending it to you. I met sent to the group earlier, and I'm I'm so mad at myself. Good thing you showed us because we read the text. The thing about hunting is, yeah, you wouldn't read my text anyway, bastards. I I I've never hunted with a group that was like that. 
Um, so <laughs> Jason, when he gets it, he's gonna start laughing aloud. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Oh, sorry, I should have went on mute. <laughs> Your wife's gonna be pissed. She's gonna be so mad. Yeah. Anyways, um, so no way, right, Jamie. Are you are you shooting a clean buck from somebody's trail camera? You can't. Claim maybe it. not. Maybe it's not even. A trail camera, maybe it's just somebody else saw or somebody else hunting this particular buck as a target buck. You cannot claim a buck unless you've shot it. So, like, for example, like, if uh, at least everywhere I've hunted, even if somebody else shot the buck and it ran in front of you, the person who dropped okay, it Okay, so, it. all right, so go to Dan's scenario. You're allowed to hunt with Denny and Greg, yeah. and they say, this buck's mine. You see this buck? Him. Don't shoot it. I've and been, I've been, I've been I watching shoot, them all year. So if I shoot that buck and somebody cries and goes, that was my deer, then I guess I'll just go hunt with real men next year. Damn. That, that's my my stance. You, Greg, you Greg, cannot, Greg and Danny heard you, it. You cannot claim a buck Greg and unless you shot it. it. Because here's the thing. This you can't control. This is your chance. chance to get rid of him. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> Invite me next they've, year. They've watched me kill plenty of deer this year. Oh, though. we know. So. There's no deer left. <laughs> Those not guys, even, there's not even the little questions. ones to, to grow. Next year's going to be super thin. Listen, I killed one little deer this year, and I you still kind of regret it. I did not. That, one of them was every, pretty small. Every deer I've shot was a three-bagger. My doe was a three bagger. My five pointer what was a three bagger. Mean by three I call bagger. them three short, bags of meat. I call them short schnauzers. Three twenty pound bags. <laughs> it was a short schnauzer. <laughs> every meaning a snout was this. this no, every this deer long. I've shot. A- was anyways, deer. Jason, what are you All saying? All right, moving on. Moving on. What Jimmy doesn't know is Greg and Denny actually submitted that question on the website. <laughs> <laughs> that was from Denny. <laughs> All right, Jason, let's get your take. Oh. I'm going to be lame, and yeah, you're right. You claimed it, and I'll just let it walk in front of me and say, hey, Ryan, I saw that buck you claimed, and it's not by you. Okay. So he's not shooting it, and he's not. Are you going to claim a buck? Opposite side of it? I guess I I haven't had the opportunity to where – I've been able to claim a buck. I mean, we think we're cool over in the thumb because we see bucks on the trail camera and then say, and then like make up corny names for them and then never see them while we're hunting. So, okay. But would I, would I claim a buck? No, no, I don't think I would come out and actually claim a buck. Okay. Bob. So Ryan and I have hunted deer where we've tracked them with this year we have a, a large eight that we've tracked all year long and we're, we're it, like that was my post that i posted on the the terrible outdoorsman last night oh yeah me weighing in <laughs> staying awake at night uh thinking about this eight point that i haven't seen in a couple of weeks on my trail cam since opening day so um so we've we've hunted bucks before where we don't name them we're not corny like that but like at the same time like we we've identify a couple eh, I guess we did <laughs> and, but we identify deer that we are like yep that's a shooter we're gonna take him but we generally are like either one of us could take it you know if I see it first I'm gonna kill it if he sees it first he's gonna kill it so in our particular situation in in the properties that we hunt. We don't, if he's like, this is my buck. One, I don't ever see him saying that. Like, this is my deer. I have to kill this deer. If he did, I'd probably pass it, honestly. Like, you guys, 
I, this has been my hunting season. Like I've passed a ton of deer this year. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not super picky, but at the same time I am because I'm like, it, it's, there's something to like harvesting a deer where I don't want to harvest every deer. I've done that. I've killed a lot of deer. I've got, I've got the trophies on the wall and I've got, you know, stuff like that. Like it, it's not just about meat hunting for me. It's the experience of hunting. So like in that experience of hunting, I don't want to necessarily, if he's got his heart set on a deer, I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to pass it. I'll pass it and I'll give him a shot at it because generally me and him hunt together. I don't normally hunt with a, a bigger group of people. If I did hunt with a bigger group of people and one person claimed like, this is my buck. I call him out on that though. I'd be like, if that motherfucker comes in front of me, because I have respect for my brother. Like I, like if he called it, if he did that for some reason, I'd be like, I, first of all, I'd be like, you're a tool. Second of all, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll pass it. If it came in front of me, because it, you know, it, you can lay claim to a deer in our situation and what we hunt and how we do it. Like, I think that that's okay. Like claim a deer. That's fine. That's yours. And, and I'll pass it all day. But I, I'm not out there to sh- to kill every deer in the woods and say it's mine. Like I'm not I'm not selfish, or I, I, I don't want to I don't want to say selfish because I don't think it's selfish. I think it's that some people have goals and are con- you know they're very intent on killing one particular deer in in larger deer camps or in, in big buck areas. They might have that kind of mindset. It's just not necessarily what we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, but going back to like what Dan said, if you're invited to a hunting camp and like, they're like, Hey, we are hunting this particular deer. You can kill any deer on this property, but you are not going to kill this deer. That's a like, like, yeah, yeah. don't burn your bridges with, with, with the opportunity you have in front of you. Like that's, that's bullshit. Like you'll never get invited back to my camp. if you kill I would, would, but again, I don't see myself saying that. You just said that you would find new guys to hunt with. Yeah. I would kind of be like. If somebody po- his tune. No, 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 I'm not. I, I at just, all. I just changed his at mind. All. No, not at all. But you I'm know doubling why? Doubling down. So if somebody were to make like ask me that and tell me that, I would look at them some type of way. I'd be like, dude, why? Because let me ask you this. So picture, so the buck you so, shot. So here, okay. Hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Let, let, let finish, so let that finish. beautiful buck you shot, right? And it was a great buck, huge buck. Would you rather... Say 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 you didn't see that buck. Say somebody else seen it. Whether it was anybody at this table, would you rather somebody here on our property shoot that buck, or would you rather the dude who is tilling his ground shoot it from his tractor with the rifle that he keeps? In so his, in his, in his, so I agree with you here. I agree with you. Like, like I I'm not like that. If I were to invite somebody out to my out to my property to hunt. I am doing so fully knowing that it's fair chase. If it's out there, it's in front of you, and you, it, it, I'm not in that stand, but you are on that day, and you kill that deer, by all means, it's your deer. Like, I, I, I don't think you can lay claim to a trail cam photo. Like, that's just that's just nuts to me. And to I, me, I, I, I just personally, I'm, I've never been like that with him. I've never been like that, period. Yeah. Like... I am more excited when he kills a big big buck than when I do. So, like in that respect, I agree with you on that. Like if it's my camp, if it's my property or whatever it might be, if I'm inviting you out here, I'm doing so with the expectation that you are going to you're going to kill a, ma- a mature animal in my mature. on my property. 
mature. Mature. You know, and I think to that, that point, it's not sucking on the teeth still. <laughs> so, so that way, like, so, so say Jimmy, I'm just gonna be real with you, Jimmy. If I were to invite you out to my property, I would set a limit on you. I would say you're not to shoot a yearling deer. Period. Yeah. Period. I'm not gonna allow it to happen because that is the ethics and stuff that I believe in. And and that's me. Everybody, if you're if you're a brown is down kind of guy, like cool. I don't care if you have a legal tag, tag it, kill it grill it i don't care but on my particular property i'm looking at quality deer management or whatever it might be whatever my goals are and for my property like if i invite you out here just respect that but i would never like say you can only kill this deer or that deer that's just dumb i think you know and i also think it comes down to how experienced the hunter is on the other side you know like myself i've never harvested a deer ever so I think if you guys were to invite me out and say, hey, you know, let's go up north in the Black Lake and let's go hunting and our objective is to get you a deer, I think, you know, in my opinion, you guys would be like, hey, nothing's out, nothing, you know, basically anything you see is on the table for you to shoot. 100%, because that yeah. would be for you guys to be like, hey, we're trying to work with you to let you get that first harvest and experience that with you as well. Now, I have 30 years of hunting under my belt and then you might set that that boundary and say hey no yearlings or you know no no none of that to where myself not being an avid hunter i don't think i would shoot a yearling anyway because i my my ethics and no no offense jimby but i have you know my ethics are a little you know a little higher i mean my my standards are a little higher to where if i'm actually gonna like harvest something i'm gonna harvest something for a purpose right so i mean rather than just getting meat on the table so I was going to say that I have notched tags uh, for small does, and the smallest doe that I shot dressed 86 pounds. Yep. We've all done it. We've all done it. And it tasted very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Eat them all. Don't waste it. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, can I get... Can uh, um, Should I even answer at this point? Yeah, please. Fuck. Yeah. Let's hear what you have to say. What was the question? What was the, I was just going to say that. <laughs> well, where were we even the at? The question is, like, would you claim a, a deer oh, on yeah. trail cam? God, we got so derailed there. <laughs> Jesus. We always do. Terrible outdoorsman, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Terrible outdoorsman. <laughs> this is it. Um, well, one, no, I would not claim a deer. Um, Bob said it. Said it all. Like, we don't claim deer. Like, he he shot his biggest deer out of my fucking tree stand. Yeah. So I don't care. I wasn't mad that I it happened. Like did text you prior to and said, Hey, oh, do you yeah. care if I go sit in your stand? Because and, like and, the wind and, is and fucked what, up on my stand. I, I want to go to and you're like, I don't give a fuck. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, because that's just how I am. I don't care. Now, I do understand the the point where like if you're hunting someone else's property and they want you to to not shoot a certain deer. You know, you got to respect that or not hunt that property. So back to like what you said about Greg and Denny, if they said, hey, this buck is mine, I've been hunting it all season, like pass on them if he comes in and you got a problem with that. Ultimately, the landowner, you you got to respect the landowner. Right. If if I was hunting on the property, I would respect it, but I would definitely want to seek. Yeah, it would definitely rub me the wrong way. It it wouldn't rub me the wrong way because it's their property. They can say whatever they want. They're letting me hunt on their property. So if that's that's the the one thing, like, hey, you know, you can hunt with us, but this buck's mine. Any other deer is yours. Okay, whatever. That's fine. Thank you for letting me hunt here. That's that's how I would would see it. That's the right way of thinking. Back when I was younger, I hunted my grandma's property over off of Seven Mile. Yeah. 
if you remember her, but I haunted her property and she didn't want me to shoot any does. That was her rules was that like, I like watching the does come up and eat in the yard and stuff like that. Like just don't kill any does. And I had to respect that. I had to, I, mm-hmm. I so I passed a lot of big ass does out there because That's why they got big. Cause you didn't shoot them. <laughs> right. Right. Well, because, <laughs> well, like grandma said, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you have to respect like, but identify that with the landowner or whoever your hunting crew are. Like, hey, yeah. do we have rules? Yeah. No rules? We bronze down? Cool. Like, whatever it is. And if that's your camp, if your camp is like, let's kill, like, oh, we we're going to kill all the deers. Kill them all, man. You're killing like, the herd. If, you fill know. your freezer. Because at the end of the day, they're your tags. You pay for them, and you're legally allowed to do it. Do it. Like, if that's your thing. Are we Everybody back on this? Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Next question. Next question. I'm never asking that again. This is why we don't do Q and A. No shit, dude. I'm, every I'm Q and A goes this way. The Q and A. Stop sending us people, questions, people. People like this though. Do you guys? Do you guys? I don't like it. You know what? <laughs> it stresses All us right. out. <laughs> so Bob talks Bob, a lot. Bob goes on these tangents. Bob like, talks I, I can't a lot. shut him up. I do the wrap up symbol because talking, and he just keeps going. It kills friendship because talking is what Bob does for a living. So if you can, I, is you anybody hiring? Bob needs a new job. <laughs> <laughs> right for real so next one i'm gonna give a one word answer on the next one <laughs> you can't give one well i guess you could give one word i'm answer. gonna give a one word all answer right. on the next one all right we're gonna change it up we're gonna go, go fishing okay so when you go fishing what is one thing you never leave home without and it and, and it can't be anything that's already attached to the boat or the boat itself snacks <laughs> Dan says snacks. Okay, snurks. You got snurks. It, it, you know, it's it's not bad. I used to not be in that group. I used to not be in that group that brought snacks, and now I am in that group. <laughs> Jimby? Oh, God. Something you go fishing and you never leave without it. There's so many lessons I've learned over And the I don't past mean fishing poles. Like, what years. is one thing that, like, you got to have? Well, fuck. Where are we fishing? If it's windy, doesn't you matter. never know. It doesn't matter. Do I forget you ne- the sunblock? You never... Do I forget the snow pants? Well, you forget all of it. So, something you never <laughs> forget. Uh, oh, I hate to... Don't it. overcomplicate the fucking question. <laughs> I think you guys know, every time, I've, I've brought sandwich meat and bread and the whole fixings to make a feast. So, so these I, two guys are I just hate, out there to eat. I hate to I hate to piggyback, but I, I'm going... I'm now going, they're best friends. I'm going food. <laughs> like you guys aren't going to say snacks. <laughs> I'm not going to say snacks. Bob. Beer. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> True. Is that really your answer? You just, you're looking for a one-word answer. <laughs> beer <laughs> now he's all butthurt there's, there's, there's pucker that's a good one sorry ryan that's yours sorry jay it's not mine jason um well number one i'm gonna make sure i have my fishing license so that i'm legal to hey, be you participating can, you, you can in have it in the mobile app if you download the dnr app just saying mr still, dnr guy still haven't done that i know still you haven't, haven't done that but you're like, um you're like, i'm <laughs> i'm gonna say a nice brand new Fresh roll of Charmin. Cha cha cha. Never know when you got to shit. Charmin. You got What? Just go shit in the lake. Yeah, just hang, just shit in your pants like uh, Garrett's buddy did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna shit in the lake, is that Charmin, really your answer? Like Charmin, you all... like, are you going to like wipe your ass and throw it in the water? In your live well. 
Yeah, you might as well. What are you going to do with it? You might as well just jump in the water and wipe with your hands. I mean, if you have the luggable loo, then by all means, you've got a way to dispose of it. But otherwise, if you're just going to hang your ass over the boat and drop, you know. Dude wipes. You got to go. You got to go. So, Jason, is that really your answer? You always go fishing with, with Charmin. <laughs> it's yes. just it's on standby. You, you should go see a doctor. <laughs> it's because I fish with my dad. Oh yeah, that's true. No, that's like that's, that's, that's like fair. some real fishing ship, Mister like Mister Gosto. You don't um, come back as as a serious case of the poops when he's out fishing. So. He just gets relaxed, and those bowels just release. I, I'm taking the most obvious thing of all: a pair of sunglasses, polarized Ooh. sunglasses. Y'all are out there squinting while you're eating your sandwiches. Well, I can't I'm, see a fucking thing. I'll squint. I'll I'll squint. I thought I'll you were gonna squint. say uh, I'll squint and drink beer. I don't give a shit. Bob's just laying in the fr- in the front of the boat. One hundred percent, that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that Ryan, one of the things Ryan, you taught me to bring is a speaker. Music. Well, that's a good one that, too. See, that's built into my boat. But if it wasn't, yes, it would be a speaker. But yeah. sunglasses still number one because I can sing to myself. But I, I, if I can't see in the water, I'm I ain't worth a fuck. I've never. Maybe heard. Jimmy. Maybe that's why I struggled that day out on Thornapple. I I didn't have polarized sunglasses to see all those follows. You were not singing yeah. to yourself. <laughs> hey, I saw a follow and I had my glasses. I know. That's what I mean. I probably well, had follows but all also the time. At, at I that moment, know. you guys were balls deep in your phone and sandwiches. I had my I had my Oakleys on and I was making sandwiches. Yeah, that's why you guys didn't see shit. I was wiping with my Charmin. No wonder I didn't see any follows. <laughs> All right. So the next one's the next one's a two-parter. Okay. So can I say more than one word this time? Two. Two you. words. Yes. Two, two words. words. All right. Two. All right. It's, got, a, it's, it's a two-parter. I'm on, I'm on fucking word rations right now. <laughs> it's a, it's I, used, a word I, used to, I used to put privates on word rations when I was a drill sergeant. I'd be like, you're on fucking word rations. Bob, Every time they'd ask a stupid-ass question. Bob's on a word count. When he hits a certain amount, his yeah. mic shuts off. You, you say two words, and then shut the fuck up. All right. You have two, you have two options. Give up hunting or a million dollars. Whoever wants to go first. I'd probably give up a million dollars. You'd give up a million dollars so you didn't have to give up hunting. Never hunt in my life again? Yep. I don't know. And that's any hunting. Could be small game, could be deer, could be whatever. How about cougars at the bar? Cougars. (laughs) Hey, you're about to be married, mister. You can't say that. I I was just asking, Ivan. Are you you calling your wife a cougar? Where are you going with this? (laughs) I'll answer next. (laughs) <laughs> need some time. So, so Dan's going with hunting. Yeah, I'm. As I sit here and ponder this question, I think I'm going to say that I will take the million and put it into fishing. <laughs> I think I'll. I think I'll be able to put a bandaid on my sorrows by utilizing the million dollars in some fishing activities. Okay. Whoever, Jimmy, he's not ready. Wow. He's not. He's not ready. Or is I'll he go so I don't get that. fucking derailed. And thirty minutes later, I answer the my questions. Things question. I would do for a million dollars. All right, you're muted. Shut up. <laughs> I'm gonna go because you guys take too long. This is like the Oprah question. Like, <laughs> this is actually an episode of The View, dude. I am. No, so this you're muted are, too. This is my turn. Muted. It's my turn. Oh shit! I got muted. It's I got my muted. turn. <laughs> I'll just talk loud enough so you can hear me. Welcome to the club. 
I am uh, taking the hunting too. I like hunting too much to to even think about it. Yes, a million dollars a lot, and I could do a lot of shit. But the main thing I do is I go hunting and I go fishing. So like, the fuck else am I going to do? I mean, I guess I could fish, like Jason said, but I like hunting too much. So okay, he has to back up. <laughs> okay, I can talk now. Well, if you if you let right. me talk, all right. It hurts. Y'all waiting, it hurts. Y'all waiting for when me he to hits, say something? When he hits that button, it it just you get mad, you get sad. I don't really care. He can mute me. I'll just yell really loud. And you'll be able to hear me. Just answer so, the question. 30 seconds in the penalty A million box, dollars. You feel a, shame. A million dollars is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff you can do with a million dollars. So these, but you can't th- hunt. This is the kind of question that happens all the time in the military you're on guard duty and you're bored as fuck for a while and you're like hey for a million dollars would you do this and it is always some random crazy shit like some usually some kind of sexual stuff like (laughs) some weird shit i'm glad we cleared that up okay (laughs) it's some weird shit right and like i've heard this one a million times like million dollars a lot of is a lot of money so would I give up hunting completely? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit I would do for a million dollars. But uh, I don't think that leaving the hunting world is part of that. I I, nope. I, 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 I kind of agree with Jason. Me and Ryan had this conversation off air about, like, I could invest all this money into into my hunt or into my fishing thing, and you could be a, a year round fisherman with a million dollars. It's a tough one because I thought, like, man, I could take but, a lot of that money. I could buy a house down in somewhere where it's warm, and I could go fish down there for muskie all winter long, and not have to worry about hunting in the cold months. And I could just go fish all yeah. the time. But I still like hunting too much. So, all right, same question: fishing. I think I know the answer. I wouldn't. For most of this. I I wouldn't give up fishing for a million. <laughs> I knew I knew your <laughs> that was, answer. That was quick, Jason. No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So we know we we know how you lean. Yeah. We know how we know how you roll. You know which side of the plate I bat on. You. <clears throat> no, 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 man. It, it's it's not a thing for me. Like hunting and fishing is pretty much my life. That's uh, it's not my wife. I, I my wife and my kids are my life. That's that's. First and foremost in my life, it, like if I had to like pick my wife and my kids in my family life over or, you know, or whatever, or hunting and fishing, I'd give them both up in a heartbeat. But because everything that I do. You give ups, both your kids up in a heartbeat to go hunting and fishing? <laughs> yeah, yes. the opposite of that, obviously. But um, so, the, uh, so let's add a little to the, to the question. Is there a dollar amount that would that would be enough? Oh, shit. We just it got real. Okay, a million and one dollars, and I'd give up fishing. <laughs> it's that one dollar. No, it's for real. Is there a dollar amount? Billion dollars, whatever. That would for a billion you. dollars, would you quit hunting? Well, we're not going back to hunting. We're we're going to stay on fishing. I, I, I go back to hunting because hunting is probably my secondary. I would give up hunting for a billion dollars. I would. Oh man, that's fucked up. That I said that for either one with for a billion dollars. I still don't think I would. I would still want to hunt and fish because I, in my opinion, I think and this isn't meant to be funny, but I, you know, the more money you get, the more problems you have. You know, like more money, more problems. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I, 
I think that that comes with an added layer of responsibility, and yep. I would rather have entertainment I'm with that, you. So I'm, I'm with you. There's not a dollar amount for me. There's How about not. this? Would you give up working for a million dollars? 100 percent. 100 I would pay to give up working. <laughs> Jimmy, what's your answer? Is there I, a dollar amount? I, to I like give up hunting more than I like fishing, and I would not quit fishing for a million dollars. I'm any dollar amount though. Uh for either one. I can't I'm I suck at fishing though, so I don't know. It's like a bad business decision. But no, probably not. Maybe a, maybe if somebody were to say here's a billion dollars you can't ever fish. That's the problem though. Every time I think about what I would do with a billion dollars, the first thing I think of all I'd have I'd get a nice ass truck, a nice ass boat, a house with a piece of land. Like it's always it's always about those I'd buy things. A, I'd buy a fucking lake. <laughs> I'd build a lake. But you couldn't fish it, so Yeah, so I no, no, there's probably not a number remote. Because those are my passions. I think Bob's the only one taking the money. <laughs> Show me that money. <laughs> Show me that money. Yeah, I can be bought. Bitches. Jason, there's no dollar amount for you. The the reason that I was able to answer quickly is yeah, like I said, I would say I rank fishing higher than hunting, so I could give up hunting and still fill my weekends in with fishing. So I'm good there. But when but, you start entertaining, how much money to then give up fishing? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because I think my mental, I honestly think that my mental health would suffer if I couldn't do my most passionate hobby, right? Right, right. exactly. Like what? I don't know what the hell else I'd do. There's yeah. a lot of shit you could do with that money, but nothing that I want. Yeah. I like your answer that you uh, that you gave me the other day. What was it? Oh, um, I yeah, I said I said if I quit hunting I or, or fishing, I probably could save a million dollars. Save a million dollars if I just stopped buying right, right. if I stopped buying musky lures, I could save a million. Yeah. Make it two million dollars. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's enough Q and A for me. I about had it with you guys in this Q and A's. One more. Nope. Because I, I was asked a question to ask on this episode. I don't know the answer, but you can go ahead. So my buddy Dan, who's become an avid listener, wants to know uh, the origin of Jimby because we kind of brought it out of nowhere and brought it up. Uh, what is the origin story of Jimby? So Jimby. thinking back, it's kind of hard for us to answer. We tried to think of an answer for it. but uh, I really don't know. My I think it was foreshadowing for your sp- rather small deer harvesting <laughs> jimmy comes from gumby if you remember gumby back in the day being oh yeah like, being like this little clay, clay guy little claymation figure who was just really so you're saying he looks like, like no, gumby? no like i i think that that's where it came, it came from name? gumby okay. Like I, I don't remember how we came up with it. I'm my best guess is up at Winya. It was yeah. hammered, hammered, drunk on a boat, and yep. somebody mispronounced his name, and it just fucking stuck. That's my best guess. That's like either on the boat or sitting around the fire. That. I think it's related to Gumby, as Gumby, Gumby as Gumby being like kind of like somebody probably said Gumby, and you one of us thought of Jimby, and <laughs> just ran with it. I can it narrow kind of it down. Both. We were on the Gambler. I remember that. So, kind of put in perspective how long ago that was. So, we're talking at least five years. Uh, and you hated the name. Oh, at but, first I hated it. Well, you've embraced so, it. So, well, because it was like, 
it was said so aggressively at times. <laughs> like, 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 and, and I wasn't, like, I was not used to getting made fun of at the time. Like, it was just, it was new. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why am I getting picked at? I'm not used to getting picked at. What do I do? And then so, the, and the rest is history. You know, every time I would do a bad cast or any time I would ask a stupid question because, you know, I was learning how to fish at the time. So I was asking question after question. Learning how to. <laughs> I'm in Bob's phone as Jimby, motherfucker. Um, I'm so not even that mean. <laughs> every time I fucked a knot up, you know, or I'd try to do a polymer and then all of a sudden I'd pull the line tight and then the line was straight and the lure fell off. You know, it was good job, Jimby. You know, shit like that. So that that's kind of the origin of where Jimby came from. <clears throat> I think Jimby more or less came from your casting abilities. It's like, a strong possibility. Like, you would cast and smash the lure into the water. Yeah. Like, over and over and over again. Yeah. And you would blame it on the reel all the time. Well, it was its fault, so, yeah. So you would always, like, you were always blaming it on something else. And I remember at some point, this was on Winya, and you were fishing, we were fishing on the Gambler, and I was like, give me your give me your rod and reel. So, and so. I, made, I made 13 casts. I made 13 casts where nothing happened. Like they were all smooth casts, nothing, yeah. no issues, reeled them back in, no problems. And I was like, here's the issue. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were like, no, this this reel's a piece of shit. And blah, blah. And like whatever it was. Like you, you, you tend it. Like, I don't know if you're still that way. I only, you know, I've, you know I've, only fished, I've only fished with you a couple times over the last couple of years, but it was like when I fished with you for that week up there, you blamed everything but yourself on everything, yeah. and it was like I was trying to like get you to realize, like, look, it might not be the gear. It's hard. It, I don't. It, may, it might be. It might be. We just needed to take a little bit of time to learn how to do this stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun, boys, at times, and, and uh, saddening at times. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sad right now um, because I had to talk to you guys. <laughs> any final comments? Have we got anything? One word, no. Okay. Jason? I'm going back to my old standby. Well, he broke up your. You didn't pay your internet bill, so. No, Nikki's turning it off because she wants <laughs> oh, yeah. you to be done. She just cut the cord downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jason, I got nothing. Jason's got nothing. So Dan got nothing. All good here. Jimmy's got nothing. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Sorry for the nonsense, um, and you're welcome for the rest of it. So, <laughs> as always, um, give us a follow on social media. Uh, make sure you uh, share this podcast. I know that's the other thing uh, people have said, how to support us. Just just share the podcast. Tell your friends about it. The more our listeners are growing every week. So the more you share it, the more you like our post, the more it spreads uh, on social media, the more people find it. So um, that's kind of the biggest thing. So other than that, I got nothing. Thanks for listening. Um, lots of good episodes coming up soon. Um, a few um, really, really cool guests coming up in January. We kind of locked in some dates there. We kind of got everything planned over the next four weeks, even though nobody wanted to read the text and understand the agenda of what we're doing each week. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> nobody knows. I don't know what to so do with my So I'm hands. bowing out of the group text. Y'all can just come or don't come. I don't care. Other than that, um, get outdoors and don't be terrible.